What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the KLP. My guest today is none other than my good friend, Mary June Miller. MJ's husband, Patrick, has been on the show a few times, actually, and I don't believe he has seen his last yet. And now MJ was kind enough to stop by and share her thoughts on CrossFit, coaching, getting fit after 40, as well as what she's learning in the realm of masculine, feminine characteristics, traits, and plenty more. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and I hope you really enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary June Miller. All right, fantastic. Mary June Miller, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. This is interesting because we spend a lot of time together as friends, uh, but there's always Patrick and Mariana, and we're always hanging out. Like, this is a different situation for us, and I'm happy to have you on. Thank you. Super fun, yeah. Uh, You did say you were a little nervous about coming on the podcast, (laughs) which I took as a little bit of an offense, to be honest with you. Uh, What's up with that? Not your (laughs) podcast. I'm not nervous to come on to your podcast. I just have never done well I know you do long like the long form sort of podcasts and um I enjoy like for me actually talking is thinking and I was just actually talking about this to Patrick because he can think yeah and actually set up ideas and debate them in his head yeah I'm not as good at that so I often talk and then actually maybe a month later what I thought I knew or thought Changes because yeah. as I talk, I think. Yes. And yeah. so this sort of thing makes me go, what if I say something that like in a month, I'm like, oh my, that's totally not what I think Yeah, about anything. Well, so that used to be more acceptable than it is now because now when you say something and then five years goes by and that pops up on the internet somehow and you don't think the same and it's maybe wrong you get roasted for that yeah. stuff. And you might have changed your opinion four years and 11 months ago, and you said it five years ago, and it people lose their jobs from that. Yeah, like, this maybe. is, it's weird now. Because what, what you say sticks, and you might have changed your entire opinion on that thing, and it just doesn't morph. So, And I don't and know it's that un- it's all negative. Well, yes, and it it does remind us the power of our words. right. Um, but you're right. It is unfortunate because I think there is this silencing that happens that maybe is hurtful as well, or right. yeah, isn't, doesn't serve us well. Like I think you and I both grew up in the same sort of culture, mm-hmm. um, and grew up in a culture that accepted the purity culture a lot. And you see, you know, leaders of that, like Joshua Harris, like mm-hmm. his dating goodbye, who now is kind of recanting everything he said, um, and is being kind of crucified for yep. that um, when he himself is also going like, nix everything I said. Yeah. You know, but yeah. yeah. Well, I think the it's unfortunate when people don't give credit for someone's mind and opinion to have been changed over time based on new information and all of this, because that's just life. Yeah. So to, to your point, though, it is kind of good to have those checks in time mm-hmm. as long as we can be objective and reasonable when we look back on those points in time that we said something that we may or may not still agree with. And here's why I said it then. And here's why I think it's wrong now. And if that's the conversation we can have, it's actually cool to have those kind of checkpoints in time. But 
it just seems like the willingness of people to give other people the benefit of the doubt is sort of mostly gone. Yes. And and to allow people a space to be wrong is mostly gone. If you're wrong a little bit, we get to kick you out, you know? And we do have so many more people hearing what we are thinking than we did 10 years ago or 20 mm-hmm. years ago. So I could have a conversation, you know, in around my table with you and Mariana and Patrick and the four, the three of you, the four of us would know that evening what I felt about something. And now we have platforms like podcasts and social media where you say something and you don't have to think much about it. You can just put it out there and the whole world can hear. Yeah. So there yep. is much more accountability. And I guess part of that comes with a lot more critiquing as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and, and rightfully I, so. I bris- because... We're going to go Enneagram at all. I don't know, but I'm a four wing three. So my okay. performance bristles a little bit because I'm like, oh, I don't want to offend too many people. Um, right. So that's my process to work through. But that's where the nervousness is coming from, not because it's you. Sure. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, what is a four on the Enneagram? Uh, four is an individualist or typically known as somebody, a creative, um, somebody who, well, it's almost easier to know some of the negative things about the numbers <laughs> than it is the positive. So a four feels, often feels very much like they are different than okay. the rest, um, often believes they are flawed in some eternal way, different than the rest, um, but often empaths, uh, creatives, very... Yeah, like I'm the only one that might feel or think this way. Very individualist. And then I the see. three would be the performer. So they often okay. fight a little bit because the performer tries to keep people happy. Mm. And then the four wants to be. The four has this weird, like, I want to be different than everybody else, but I also feel like it's my curse that I'm different than everybody else. Yeah. But doesn't everyone feel that a little bit? Because I feel that. I don't think I'm four in the Enneagram, but I really resonate with that. Maybe. I mean, I, I really resonate with it. And it was actually... Okay. One a podcast I listened to that because uh, it took me a long time to actually kind of figure out my number, um, which happens to be one of the typical things for a four. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like that's an indication yeah, you might be a four. Yeah. You can't figure out what you are <laughs> <Yeah>. on the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe maybe you are more four than you think. Um, but I listened to this podcast and and really resonated with that. I was like, oh wow. Okay. okay. I feel like she read my mail a little bit. Yeah. I feel like uh, it didn't take me long at all to figure out what I was on the Enneagram. I was a three, although I don't okay. know if it, I don't know if it changes over time or, you know, how that works. Um, cause I feel like with disc that, um, depends on what season of life. Cause I've taken it a couple of times and it's been mostly consistent, but depending on the season of life, it has changed a little bit. So I don't know if the same is true for Enneagram. I'd like to go back and brush up on the Enneagram cause it's been a couple of years since well, I've really the looked into it. Well, there's all the lines too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. they all mean something and I think you're right. I think seasons of life as you grow, things yep. you learn about yourself, all of that definitely play into it. Yes. But it's been helpful for me. Fantastic. So one thing that you have been doing that we haven't got a chance to talk about um, as friends yet is you've really gotten into CrossFit. I have. I've heard from Patrick. You're even coaching now. I am. What uh, are you working out every day? How often are you coaching? How's it going? So um, I try to be in our gym um, five to six days a week. I coach three days a week, um, three one-hour, 45-minute classes. 45 minutes to an hour. The class is actually 45 minutes. It's a boot camp style class. So it's actually kind of our entry 
class in our gym for mm. maybe people that might be intimidated with the barbell movements. Um, so my class is more boot camp style and we only use dumbbells and kettlebells. So we never pick up a barbell in, okay. in my class. Um, but we use the rig and we use the my, uh, the bikes and the rowers and all of the same other equipment just instead of barbell. Like today the workout was the exact same because we didn't do a barbell movement in the actual CrossFit class. Okay. The what we're calling Invigor class could be the same. Mm. Um, so that's been super fulfilling for me. It's just to have people come in, you know, who may not have worked out ever or never stepped foot in a gym um, and to have them be there consistently and see them grow and um, much more fulfilling than I expected for sure. But also just passionate about helping people become better versions of themselves by doing consistent, small, consistent movements. Um, So, but I try to be in there working out as well five to six days a week. Yes. What is that class called again? The class I coach is Invigor. It's called yeah, Invigor, Invigor 45. Yeah. Okay. So is Invigor and 45, is that because it's 45 minutes? Yes. Okay. So it's a 45-minute class, not a one-hour class, like a typical CrossFit class. Is it an introduction to CrossFit? Is it like a training of the movements to get into CrossFit? Or is it is it people might come to Invigor and just not move into a traditional CrossFit workout? Correct. It's not a foundations class, which I think a lot of CrossFit... It's not? No, oh, it's okay. not. Okay. Um, it could be used as that. We actually, right now in our gym, don't have a current foundations class. That's something we're working on. We're still a very young Mm. gym. Um, So it could definitely be used as that, but people can come in. Anybody can come to my class if they are a CrossFit member, Um, but you can also buy just the Invigor 45 membership. So people can use my class as their only class that they come to, which is what most of the people in my class do actually. They only use my class. Sure. And then there's other members who are like, oh, the 11 o'clock class fits my schedule today and they'll pop in um, other CrossFit members, especially on a day like today where it's like I'm doing the exact same thing I would any other class I I jump into. Um, So you can buy just the Invigor 45 membership and be in that class. But it does. I mean, because it's tucked in between two other classes in our gym, they start to see people come in or either leave, come in after them or leave just before them. And I think, you know, subconsciously it's like, oh, those people look just like me. hundred percent. And it does introduce them or give them the courage to at least go, hmm, I think I could do that. I totally agree. And, and I like from a business model, I like the idea. I've not heard of it at CrossFit before. And just to be clear, you, it is a trademark CrossFit gym that you're at, yes, right? Yes, we are a CrossFit affiliate. Okay. It's not an, it's not a knockoff, which I guess no knock on the knockoff. But yeah. No, like <laughs> it's a, an actual I, CrossFit right. gym. Yes, it is um, an affiliate. Yeah. And so one of the misconceptions that I'm running into a lot now, I think it's because I'm trying to get more people in a CrossFit potentially, um, or maybe it's be, it's finally hitting mainstream enough that you're starting to have more discussions with people, which is, that's great that you get a CrossFit, but I'm not an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm, or I'm not a CrossFitter. It's like, that is a very big misconception because you said people in your class see other people coming into mm-hmm. a regular quote unquote CrossFit class where you're going to use the barbell sometimes, it's an hour long and so forth. I mean, look, I have gone to CrossFit when I didn't know any of the movements, when I was fat, um, not necessarily overweight because when I am not fit, actually, I don't tend to put on weight. I just get a gut and I'm heavier now than I was six months ago when I started hitting this hard. Um, But still out of shape, you know, get sore very quickly, Mm -hmm. get winded very quickly. Um, 
I mean, you have people of all ages, you have people of all weights, mm-hmm. all of that. Like you have people that are, um, have been doing CrossFit for years and they're good and their body shows it and they're healthy, you know, and then you have people that aren't. So anyhow, there's, I feel like there's this misconception out there with CrossFit that it's sort of like for the CrossFitters or the elite athletes. And it's really not, it's a good way to get fit in my opinion. It is a great, and I'm a great example of that. Like I, I only started CrossFit when we moved to Nashville four years ago. Um, and I was terrified mm. of it, terrified of it. A lot it. of like, people are. And it, and because of that misconception, it's like I either have to, which I don't even understand how we think the elite athletes got there. Like they had to start exactly. somewhere, you know, yes. you take it apart, you start to understand, well, they actually had to start somewhere. And most CrossFit gyms will have either a foundations class, like an onboarding class or have or are aware that with a new person, you're going to have to help them scale. And there's mm-hmm. a scale for every single CrossFit Everything. Movement. You can't do Everything. toes to bar, no problem. Do like an L sit up, like, yeah. or not a sit up, but like do L sits or whatever. Like yeah, or pull like your the legs up. Stick. Can't do that. Just yeah. pull your knees up. Can't exactly. do that. What's a candlestick? A candlestick is like when you're laying on your back on okay. the ground and holding something behind your head. Mm. And again, just lifting your legs up as high as you can. Yes. Potentially all the way up to yes. whatever's behind your head. Yes. And that's an important point is like people need to realize, yeah, you're going to come in and there's going to be a workout and it's going to be structured. And if you can't do it, there's a scale for everything. Every if movement. you can't run, walk. Or bike. Or bike. It's bike. totally fine. Yeah. I mean, half the time someone in our class is injured anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this little thing called L5 <laughs> Fitness. Shout out to L5 Fitness. We branded ourselves two weeks ago because there's like three of us that had bad backs. Oh, it's actually within the gym, your yeah, L5 it's, Fitness? Yeah, it's in the gym. It's like we're all there at the 1130 <laughs> class because that's just the class you go to. And that's the fun thing about CrossFit is yeah. you get to not only go to the gym, but then you have the class and it's like you start to see the same people every day. It's a community. It really it is, is a community, community for yeah. a lot so of people. So yeah, there's three of us back in the back corner. We all had bad backs and apparently L5 is one of the vertebrae and you know one of the guys who's always cracking up something funny like he named us L5 Fitness and then we all had like then for the next week we kept having these sayings which I think we annoyed people but it's like you know when your back's on the mend don't bend you know all this like (laughs) but thankfully I'm out of L5 Fitness now I'm back oh you graduated out yeah I graduated out um so what I I actually kind of like what your gym's doing from a business model standpoint because I feel like you can capture more people. And then what I don't like about it is it reinforces a stereotype that CrossFit's not for everyone. Have you bumped into that yet? You know what I mean? Like what's it saying by having another class? Yeah. Well, we've, I mean, I haven't even heard that at all. I've only heard the opposite from people coming in is like, oh, I think this would be a great place for my, like from the girls that are there. Oh, I think this would be a great place for my husband Mm -hmm. because at our gym, now this isn't true of every gym. I do believe this is kind of a culture that maybe the owners bring on. Um, But our, at our gym, that's been really good where ego stays at the door. Yeah, Like you just, I mean, you, Injury happens a lot quicker if you bring ego in and just try to be stupid, you know? Yep. Um, Which again is a a big misconception with CrossFit is, Mm -hmm. you know, injuries happen. So many injuries happen and and injuries do happen, but I think injuries happen in other gyms as well. Um, For sure. So, but in our little class, I hear the girls say, you know, I think actually I could convince my husband to come in here because he could come in. It wouldn't be the barbells. He could mm-hmm. see the other people and realize that, again, like they're normal people. They're yes. not just all, 
you know, the rich fronings of the yeah. world. Um, yeah. They're, they're parents. They're just people wanting to be healthy. And in our gym, the community is mostly, I'd say, 30s, 40s, even all the way up to 50, 60. So yep. there, we do have a small community of younger, like 20-year-olds, mm-hmm. high schoolers even. Oh, cool. Um, but it is mostly that 30s, 40s, just family people wanting yes. to be fit and healthy. Um, I think that's the... That- must be the CrossFit demographic because I've, this is the third CrossFit gym I've been a part of. I was part of CrossFit Mount Julia and CrossFit BNA. And also that, those two, and then CrossFit Forte where I go now, none of those places had what I have heard of in the past, like CrossFit snobbery or elitism, mm-hmm. or it's like, you're not good enough to be here. I'm starting to wonder if that's, like I'm if. starting to wonder where that exists, yeah. honestly, because every CrossFit gym that I've talked with someone about, everyone, they're like, no, that doesn't, that's not mm-hmm. in our gym. Although I have heard, you know, I may not have heard people say like it exists elsewhere, but I mean, at what point is this? No, it doesn't exist here. It exists elsewhere. At what point is this? Is this a myth? Yeah. It's like, where, where is this? Maybe it is your perception of it. Like, I think once mm-hmm. you're courageous enough, Like I said, I was terrified. I was one of them. Once I was courageous enough to actually be vulnerable enough to step inside the CrossFit gym, everybody there was like welcoming and come in. And there was no like, oh, look, she can't do that. Or, oh, wow, she's really new at all. It was just total support um, from day one and has really been for me over the past two years, therapy. Like Mm. it's been my place to face my darkness. Like hmm. it's been where I've left tears on the floor. It's just been that place. So it's been that for me and yeah. a healing, a place of healing, which again says a lot about the community I'm surrounded with there. Yes. It wouldn't be that if I wouldn't feel safe there. Yes. hundred percent. By the way, when did your gym start? You said it was a new gym. It was January of 2019. So we're just looking at almost two years oh, Okay. Now. Wow. Okay. Well, thankfully that gym's still open. Because it was a new gym and then COVID hit. Yes. You had to shut down for a period of time. Yeah, we were out for, oh, it felt like forever, but this whole year feels like forever. It, yeah, it does. I think we were forced to close in March, like kind of like everybody else. And then we opened up the beginning of June. Okay. So there is May, something about the CrossFit workout. It's an hour long, um, high intensity, constantly varied functional movements. Something about, and I don't know kind of the cadence of your gym, but mostly we do like warm ups, mm-hmm. you know, 10 minutes or so. And then like a strength portion that could be 10, 15, 20 minutes, short break, and then the workout. Mm-hmm. And that, um, and some gyms, you know, move that around a little bit, but something about the CrossFit workout works. Like mm-hmm. it is effective. The facing your fears, how did CrossFit help you with that? Well, I had recognized it back before I started with CrossFit. I actually started with a personal trainer again, just to try to get over the fear of what do I do in a gym? Like, I don't Mm. know what these machines mean. And I remember there, I remember feeling that as well. Like, wow, when I get to this place of feeling like I can't go on, I never was in like, I was never an athlete as I never had the opportunity to be an athlete in high school. Um, And so I never had that place where I pushed myself to that degree. And so it was some of that. It's like when you think you can't go on and then you go on. Yeah. Um, But even just more recently, it's that like those voices in your head, like, oh, you're really not an athlete. Oh, Mm. you're really not strong or you suck at this. Like, Mm -hmm. and then it's just your body doing more than what you thought possible. Um, And 
just with the past two years that Patrick and I have walked through, even just some of that, like you'd be working out and something would trigger that you just didn't even know was going to trigger. And you were able, and I was able to just face that and go, no, we're going to keep moving. This Mm -hmm. workout's not over until it's over. We're going to give it what we got as long as we can. Um, And for the first time, just kind of getting into that pain cave, finding that place and working through it in my head. So, you know, other people may be able to find other things to get them there. I think they can. For yep. me, it was, it was the gym. It was CrossFit. Mm. Um, and there's certain workouts. There was one workout in particular, the first time that I literally like in a break, because sometimes there's breaks that are kind of built into the workout that you mm-hmm. have, like a five minute break or whatever. I walked over into this little, we have like a little waiting area that's right there in the gym. It's all open, but there's a carpet there. And I just like kind of child pose on the carpet and just wept, like just bawled. And everybody, you know, around was like, oh, is she okay? What's going on? And so now every time that workout, because it was like a, um, why is my mind going blank on what they call like the CrossFit um, benchmark? It was like a benchmark. It was one okay. that comes up, you know, every once in a while. Gotcha. I had a name on it. I don't even remember the name of it. Yeah. Some girl's name. Every time it comes up, the if the coach is one that was there at that time. Like, I think MJ remembers his workout. No way. Because <laughs> that was the day MJ lost it, like just on the ground. You cried after the workout, you said? No, it was, like, it was in like the break that was built in. So I had to get back up and get back to it. Gotcha. But it was like the break that was built in. So it was maybe like a, um, an AMRAP, like a five-minute AMRAP yep. that had a five-minute break and then it was another five-minute AMRAP. Okay. Um, so it was in one of those breaks gotcha. where I had time to catch my breath, but yeah. I just, I hit this place. And then I got back up and finished. Um, yep. And I don't even remember exactly what it was about, but I just remember it was that, like, I got back up and finished and felt fantastic afterwards. Yeah, like, exactly. okay, I faced something yep. that I needed to face. Yeah. I've not seen too many people at our gym cry halfway through a workout. <laughs> was that because something was, like, bottled up and, and CrossFit released it? Or was that, dang, this is freaking hard. I don't know if I can do it. Yes, I can do it. And there was just an emotion to that. I think it was just this, well, there was definitely some sort of emotion that was built up, but I mm-hmm. think whatever it was that triggered me took me to that really dark place where it was like, I get to face whatever it is I'm facing while I'm working out. It was this mental toughness that I didn't know I had that I got mm-hmm. to have combined with this physical fatigue. It's like, okay. I get to be like, I have to work physically when I'm so fatigued and have this mental demon of sorts, you know, going yeah. on up here. And I never thought I could do that. Like I didn't, I just never had that opportunity. I think, hmm. I mean, they say like I have sons in football and they talk about that. It's like, wow, the workout today was really, really hard. I didn't think I could ever do this. And then I did it. Um, so there was some of that in there as well, but it's kind of hard to know exactly what all is going on. It's, you know, psychologically and yeah. um, physically and yep. how your body is releasing all of those things when you're in that moment. But it's that breakdown of mental breakdown, physical breakdown mm-hmm. at the same time. And you, you're getting stronger physically because you're yes. in there working out, yep. but you're also mentally getting stronger. Like they yes. go together. We're just, you know, yep. we're one unit and totally we're agree. so connected. Yes. And for me, the CrossFit workouts, the way they're written, the way that they use, like it's a functional fitness, but it mm-hmm. does push me to this place because you get to push as hard as you want. Like we talked about, there's yes. scales for everything. Including so, that way. Including, including that making way. it real hard. Yeah. yeah. So you can always, no matter how strong you get, 
you're still going to get a really good workout. Yes. You're going to sweat buckets because you're going to just push yourself harder, throw on some more weight, yep. go a little harder on the bike, whatever it is. Like the assault bike is just wicked because it's like... Yep. The stronger you get, the it's harder awful. you go, the more you like yeah. the more you sweat, the longer it feels like it lasts. So yeah. it's an amazing workout for me because it doesn't matter how strong it is, doesn't matter what kind of athlete you are, brand new, which my father-in-law just started CrossFit. For the first time, he actually lost over 100 pounds this year. I saw that. So amazing. And he started at the local CrossFit gym. No and, way. You know, was kind That's of worried. Cool. Like, he was like, is there anything I can do? And went in there and, again, was pleasantly surprised. Like, yes, there's a lot I can do for where I'm at. But then you've got the elite athletes in there throwing yep. stuff around and everybody's getting a great workout. It's yes. amazing. It is amazing you can have a class with... Your father-in-law, who's what, in his 50s, 60s? 60s, 64, 64. In his 60s, just lost 100 pounds, um, which means he probably had 100 pounds to lose, or at least he thought he did. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to go to the gym, first-time CrossFitter, and you're in the same class as like someone who could go to like regionals or something like that. Exactly. And it still works. Like it's actually pretty amazing that can be designed that way. Yeah. I I think CrossFit is a unique intersection of... Listening to your body and quieting your inner bitch, basically. Yeah. You know what Actually, I mean? Actually, that's a like, great way to describe it. <laughs> you, you still do need to listen to your body. Like that is, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And then also some, you just need to tell your body to like press on, mm-hmm. like shut up and press on because there is, I was hearing something about this recently. I forget the science, but basically our brain tells us to shut down way, 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 way before we really need to. It self-protects that way. Yeah, yeah. it does. And so... Pretty much every day in CrossFit in the class, at some point throughout the workout, there's going to be this trigger in your mind like, should you slow down now? Should Mm -hmm. you pause now? Is there any excuse you can come up with to leave this class early? Those types of things. (laughs) And you just have to press through. Yeah. Like half the time, all you do is you just keep moving. So you have you ever left the, left the class early? So I have left class early because I needed to. Yeah, like you know, a couple schedule of times. Or, schedule. Yes, yeah. yeah. There's only one workout that I didn't finish. Um, and it happened this summer in uh, my buddy's garage. And it was a froning workout. And it was, it was awful. And I didn't finish it. And it was the closest I'd come to throwing up. I, I've never thrown up at a CrossFit. I've had buddies that have, have, but I've never thrown up and I don't want to, and I don't need to prove anything. You know what I mean? Even though I kind of, you know, when you're in the moment, you sort of want to, but, um, this warehouse was hot, hot, hot. And there was four of us, three or four of us. And, um, the froning workouts, I mean, that's the only one I have done directly because our gym owner, Evan Beach, writes his own workouts. Oh, wow. Which, by the way, he thinks, yeah, so we still do like the benchmark workouts mm-hmm. and everything. And occasionally we do like a CrossFit workout. But I think he takes some amount of personal pride in writing his own workouts because mm-hmm. he views it as writing a song, which yeah. I kind of like that way of looking I at it. I love it. Some workouts are hit songs and others aren't. And um, so, yeah, the froning one, though, it was a crud ton of toes to bar mixed mm-hmm. with push-ups. And by the time I got that done... I was almost throwing up and I was like, you know, my mind was just not in a, in a good spot. And then whatever was supposed to come next, I just lay on the floor and let them finish it. Yeah. And for, <laughs> so your, list, for your listeners, Toast of Bar, they can just YouTube the Toast of Bar and they'll understand. Like it's, it's, uh, you, I feel like you only got so many Toast of Bar in you. Like you can there only is. do so when many. Gone, and they're when they're totally gone, gone. They're, they're just, I mean, they're again, just, you can scale, but they're gone yes. when they're gone. Are you good at Toast of Bar? 
No, I wouldn't say I'm good at them. We had them today, actually, and I okay. was able to do RX today, which, again, oh, cool. for your listeners, that means as prescribed or as yep. written. Um, but there was only 20 per round. So, okay. and you went, it was but still, yeah. how many rounds? Um, well, you, it was an AMRAP 20 minutes. So you did the, it was a, it wasn't just toes to bar. So there was a sure. couple movements, yep. um, that you worked through. And when you finished, you started over yep. and you just did that for 20 minutes. How many times roughly did you cycle through on that? Though? So the workout today, if you got through two, that okay. was fantastic. Okay. I got through about one and a half maybe. Okay. So total, most people weren't doing more than 40 toes to bar. Right. 20 and 20. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah, toes to bar is one of those that, uh, I mean, I don't know if anyone's, I don't know. There's probably people out there that are superb at them. I'm not superb at them, but something about my body size and shape and everything. Um, usually I do better than if there's toes to bar mixed in. Okay. We had toes to bar as well too. Yeah. Um, where I start to drop off, I'm going to do like 15 at a time. I can do that you know, cycled in with some other movements about, I don't know, uh, four or five times. Oh, wow. And then it starts to, and then like you said, when you're, when toes to bar are yeah. gone, they are gone yeah. and you're just hanging from that bar, just trying to do singles yeah. and it takes forever. Or like, then you go to knee ups or whatever you have right. to do. So yeah. have you ever tried to make like, to see if you could go have a, a bigger amount at the end, but break it up into like fives or tens instead of 15s. Yeah. So 15 is sort of, I settled on, if I'm going to do, um, if I'm going to do a large amount of toes to bar, doing 20 at a time is a little bit much. Doing 10 at a time is a little bit less. So for me, um, doing like 15 and then coming off the bar and giving some break either by just resting or by doing some other, the other mm-hmm. movements and coming back, that's kind of the, the sweet spot for me. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so amazing. I could do 10. It's just... I think 15 sort of works. Yeah. So for a bigger rep mount. Or, yeah. Yeah. What are some of your favorite movements in CrossFit? I love the deadlift. So oh, deadlift wow. is probably my strongest barbell movement, which is very, I mean, you pick it up and, you know, pick it up from the ground yeah. um, and, and back squats are okay. my, probably my two favorite. Um, okay. I'm learning to like the clean. Anything yep. overhead is still, I've had shoulder issues. And so oh, anything really? overhead just feels so frustrating because I can't mm. go very heavy. And so I'm focused more on the movement and making sure I'm getting the movement before I add a lot of weight. Yep. Um, but double unders, I cannot stand if we're talking about ones I can't stand. Can you stand. do them? I can't st- have learned how to string them together okay. well. I haven't either. So that's something that's my goal actually for this year is to get, you know, to, to be able to do that because it's such a core workout. You think it's a jump rope. Come on. You should be able to jump rope, but it's, it's so difficult for me. Yep. Um, and then I love pull-ups. So me too. toes to bar are, I'm learning to like them. I, yep. my grip gives out so quickly. My grip actually gives out before I feel like my muscles give out on my toes to bar. Like oh, it's hard okay. for me to hold, like I have to actually work on my grip. And yep. I know that's a thing is like, you really have to actually strengthen your grip. Yep. Um, so I, I like, I enjoy them when I can do them. It's just so frustrating once they go, they just go for me. Yeah. I have just, my grip goes. Yep. I can't do the double unders and I can't do butterfly pull-ups. Yeah, can no, you do I have those? no. I mean, I, I can string pull-ups together, right? But I've not been able to butterfly. The butterfly That's the thing, shoulder mobility. Oh my word, that takes an insane amount of shoulder mobility. Yeah, yeah, and just like the getting your momentum at the right place, yeah. your hips 
are actually a different place than when you would do regular pull-ups. And I haven't figured it out, but honestly, it looks easier. I think it would be something that that would be beneficial because it kind of looks a little bit like cheating. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you're getting that chest up there, but still with the way the movement works, if you can get into that fluidity of it, it looks like it would be less taxing on your muscles than regular pull-ups. And, you know, when people are really good at that sort of a movement, and even toes to bar, I mean, I was in there today with a guy who doesn't do any of the kip up. Like he just does straight leg toes to bar. And mm. and because of his insane core strength, that feels easy to him, which is it's really hard. Like that's yeah. really hard. But when people do those movements well, it makes me feel like I can do them. Oh, that looks so incredibly easy. Yeah. Let me get on here. And then I feel like I weigh like lead or something. Yes. Um, so yeah, but I do agree the butterfly movement feels like once you have that, it would make cycling yeah, through that. It Just, really does. Well, and kind of like cycling the barbell. Once you've learned how to cycle the barbell, then in workouts when you've got like a ton of like snatches or something like that, once you learn how to cycle the barbell, that really cuts your time down so much. Yes. Then if you have to like slowly bring it down and then reset and go back up. Yes, I totally agree. And I just think that, you know, by your fruit fruits, you shall know them type of a thing. And like when you compare people walking out of Planet Fitness to people walking out of CrossFit in general, there's there's a difference in fitness there, it seems to me. I mean, I've been told that Planet, Planet Fitness serves cookies from time to time. Maybe it was another one of those No, it those is. Gyms, I think it's pizza too, like Friday. Seriously, pizza, pizza yeah. and gyms at a gym, this does not make any sense. And, and Evan, who owns CrossFit Forte... Is about people's fitness. I mean, he's a fan of CrossFit and everything, but at the end of the day, it's not about becoming an elite CrossFit athlete. Although if that happens, that's fantastic. Right. It's about being fit, you know. And so I think the I think the like the proof's in the pudding a little mm-hmm. bit. I really like the mix of having um someone who either doesn't know the movements or is way overweight or whatever mixed with someone who's just crushing it. Mm-hmm. I like that personally because um it I like to see uh, you know the two three guys in our class that are above my level. And um and not even to be weird. I like when we take our shirts off and work mm-hmm. out and I like to see their ripped bodies. Mm-hmm. Like that's motivating to me. If no one in the class is like better than I am, well that's not motivating, right. you know? And so I just wonder like when you go to a gym and like you're the best most fit person in the gym, like how, where do you, you're missing some level of motivation Where's that you could point? have otherwise. I mean, seeing Evan hit toes to bar without a shirt off, like again, no homo <laughs> here. I'm just saying like <laughs> no, he's I freaking totally abs. It. He has freaking abs and there is not much, there is not much wasted fat on those abs and it's great. And you know what? It's not like he's genetically predisposed you know, predisposed to have awesome abs and I can't get there. He eats different than I do, you know? And so does Roach. Like they Mm -hmm. eat extremely clean and they've been doing CrossFit for a long time. And that's what gets that. Right. And I want that. Yes. And I think as well, like some people are much more motivated by like lifetime fitness where you just go in, you put on your AirPods or you put on your headset, you have your own music and you do your own thing. Zero motivation for me. Not like me too. I go in there and look around for a while, and oh, then I'll sure. like so uh, totally motivated by the same thing that you just talked about. It's like walking in and in some ways seeing the ideal, seeing an ideal, yeah, 
And knowing that what I'm about to do or what I'm doing and what they're doing is what it took for that. Exactly. And a lot of CrossFit gyms are starting to also offer like nutrition um, mm-hmm. coaching, which I think is fantastic as well. Because like you said, somebody can come in totally overweight, never been exercising and start. And then as they become more motivated, go, well, what's something else I could do to tighten up my nutrition yep. or health? And then yep. they've got that that they can offer. Um, they already feel safe there. They're already trusting the people. They already kind of see what it is that they want. And now you can offer that. Um, yep. And our gym is just starting to offer that as well, which is really fun to nutrition. see. Nutrition? Yeah. Okay. So we do nutrition challenges, but we also have the owner of the gym also offers like you can get with him and he can help you build a template out. Yep. Um, I think it's and, it's a, uh, sorry to cut you off, but it's fine. a total domino effect or the compound effect. If, at least for me, it is. I mean, when I go by myself to work out, first of all, I'm not going to be doing any cardio. I mean, if I go, I'm going to be hitting the weights and I'm not going to be pushing that hard. I mean, I'll put heavy weights on, but that doesn't really get you anything. Um, and if I do cardio, I'm not going to push myself. I mean, yeah. golly, half the time, the only reason I finish these workouts is because there's 15 other people around me yeah. that they're going to finish too. And no, I'm not going to be the one to... To quit, yes. you know what I mean. I'm just going to go along with the crowd here. But when you're by yourself, eh, it's a good time to quit. Yeah, well, you know? you know, I feel like I got a good workout. My heart rate is up, and exactly. I've been in here for. And let's like talk about cardio just a little bit because that is even as a CrossFitter, that's something that people complain about. Like we hate cardio when yeah. we're in there, right? It's like, Every oh CrossFitter my gosh. hates to run, right? Thank God, because I do too. <laughs> do is run like that's how I started oh, so way awful. back um and now it's like yeah like what you want us to run 400 meters yeah but to have that combined like I actually saw my I used to run and that's all I did I started CrossFit and I went and did like a 5k and my time was significantly better than it was when I had just been running but again because of the functional fitness it's like you build yourself this muscle set and you work on cardio together, mm-hmm. it's just a recipe for translating into so much other things in life. Like yes. You go hiking with your teenagers and you're like, wow, I'm keeping up more than I did. Um, or moving or mo- like everything, you just feel it translate into so much yes. of life. Yep. Which I love. 100%. I had more time on my hands than normal this summer. And so one of the goals for the summer was to get physically fit again and get really fit. So I've been five days a week since April and it's been Fantastic. great. And I'm going to keep, I keep doing five days a week because then every weekday is the same and there's no difference. Were you in the gym um, five days since April? Yeah, like they've yeah. been open since April? Oh, uh, no, they were shut down for a period of time. I forget okay. when they opened again. I don't, they didn't feel like they were shut down for too long. Yeah. Um, but I asked Evan recently, um, like what I can do to go to the next step. Mm-hmm. And so a couple months ago I started, um, doing protein after the workout, which mm-hmm. I do, um, I think it's 50 grams of protein and a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, collagen that's just good for your skin and your gut. Mm-hmm. And then I have creatine in there too. Um, and there was a couple of times this summer where I, where I went back to the gym twice in one day. But it's so fun. But yeah, it is fun. But, you know, Evan was like, man, you don't want to do that whole thing again. Like it's, these workouts are not designed to do two times a day. Yeah. Like you can put a shoulder out or something, you know? And the rest, and the recovery rest is actually as important as the is. work. And we hear that yeah. all the time. And his comment was, look, you're on the right path. There's really nothing, you know, you need to do to go to the next level, except keep coming back every day, um, prep, you know, push hard. And, and eat clean and, 
that will that'll get you where you want to go from there. And then and then this was his comment, which had to do with you kind of it trickling out into other areas of life, which he was like, you know, from there, just play with the kids more, mm-hmm. you know, go on the walk, go hiking, like do those types of mm-hmm. things to get your cardio up, playing with the kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's something about though the combination of cardio and strength that I both enjoy and I think is effective at CrossFit yeah, as well. I totally agree. And and on those days where you feel really good, maybe you can have the second yeah. workout if it's at home or if it's going back to the gym. But no, I, yeah. I agree. Like the, um, I've also felt on weeks where, well, I was just came back from Florida yesterday, but so I had was off more last week. I only worked out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I've been off since Thursday mm. and walked in today and I was like, oh, I'm really going to pay for it and actually had a better workout today than I expected. But I yeah. think my body may have been asking me to yeah. rest as well. Mm. So it is, it's that listening to your yes. body, knowing that rest is not wrong. Like we, we, we can become obsessed with like being in there every day and forget that the recovery is just as important. What we feed our body in recovery, how we rest, how we sleep. Sleep is so important yes, if you're going to be working is. out like that. Um, and then when you eat your macronutrients around your workout, you know, eat your carbs around your workout, know when you should have your protein, know when you should have. So those are all things you can dial in, mm-hmm. but don't have to be the first day you walk into the gym. Yes, that's like right. Like you said, you're like, okay, I'm at this point where this is fun. I love this, but how can I dial in even more? Exactly. Yeah. And I only started doing protein shakes and stuff after workout like a month and a half ago. I mean, and I've been doing CrossFit type workouts for a few years off and on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have lifters like a certain type of shoe you wear to lift weights. I mean, it's just, you, you can just get started yeah. and start and yes. then build it from there. Yeah. Uh, Mariana's going to start. Go Mariana. Yeah. I just had oh, this I'm discussion. So I was um, in a float tank on Thursday, which was timely because... Um, something happened with on Tuesday. I think it was uh, split jerks or something. And mm. like my back and neck, like just it's weird. It hadn't doesn't happen often, but something just. I don't even think it was spine related. I think a muscle just got pulled or something. And um, so Candace Bruder, who was on the podcast, the episode hasn't released yet, but uh, she owns Pure Sweat. Uh, oh, float yeah. studio. I use the one um, in Cool Springs. Love it. Oh, really? Oh, cool. That's a franchise yes. of hers. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, anyhow, she was on the podcast and she let me, she gave me a free float. So thank you, Candace. Um, and so I took full advantage of that and um, it did help with the back. And one of the epiphanies in the float tank um, was that Mariana just needs to do CrossFit because we've talked about it before. She's been doing um, yoga mm-hmm. for a while and she likes yoga. It fits her and everything. Um, but this is about the time where she had would be having another kid. Like, you know, when we've had five every two years. So now our last one is about two. Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we don't plan to have another kid, you know, so you don't get pregnant again. Like that's not what you do with belly fat now, you know? <laughs> so what else are we going to do? This is your new baby, Mariana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's been doing yoga and she loves it and it's been great. I mean, she's fit, but um, she wanted to get like more fit and stuff. And so she's like started to mix in a little bit of running and stuff. And like, I don't know, I think it was actually when I realized like how much into CrossFit you were and that you're even coaching now, it's like MJ didn't you always do CrossFit. Like, you can totally mm-hmm. do CrossFit, you know? Um, so because, you know, each to their own, but like, I don't think Mariana would want to go for like a muscular type mm-hmm. look. Um, but that's, 
that doesn't happen to all women CrossFitters, right. you know? That so, takes a lot of hard work. It does. That, I mean, again, that's kind of a myth. It's like, oh, you step into a CrossFit gym, you're going to look like that. No, actually, it takes a lot more than just stepping into a CrossFit yeah. gym to look like that. Yes, it does. Um, and like you said, each to his own. But the yoga part of what she's learned will be very beneficial for her as she starts CrossFit. I think yep. every CrossFitter could actually benefit from yoga stretching. And like, if there's one thing that I would say to people who start CrossFit is don't stop stretching. Stretching is super important. And for her to have that as like a a foundation is going to just be very helpful for her. I totally agree. I think that the optimal thing is CrossFit five days a week, some sort of a workout with extra stretching, maybe on Saturday and like yoga or something on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to just do straight up yoga on Saturday and take a day off, I think that's great too. Um, I'm not doing anything on Saturday and Sundays now, except I did put in a pull-up bar in our front yard. Um, and so I'm excited about like getting some extra reps in on that, Play around but there. you do need rest. But yeah. to your point, um, yoga and CrossFit fit together yes. very well. Yeah. Um, what are you doing with, um, diet? So right now, actually I'm on a, um, template called Renaissance periodization. And that's just a, it's a business model, uh, business. Um, I don't even know the names of the people that have written it, but basically have an app now and I use their app. You put in your goals and they have three different phases. You can do bulking, you can do maintenance, or you can do cutting. Hmm. And um, you just put in your stats and tell it kind of what you want. And then they build this template for you. Super effective, like kind of crazy, creepy, effective, really. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm using. That's what I'm going on. And I know that there's that Adam, the owner of our gym, um, he uses some of that for some of his clients as well, um, or kind of what they suggest. Hmm. Um, so it breaks down your, your macronutrients, but their big thing is putting carbs around your workout. So like an hour and a half before, like getting most of your carbs for the day around the actual workout. So you're getting your fuel okay. for the day around the workout and then using like protein um, and slower, like the things that metabolize slower during the rest of the day. Interesting. So this is an app. Is it the same one Patrick uses, by yes, the way? Okay. So Patrick has shown me that in the past. Yeah. And, and you can use like my fitness pal to track food or whatever, but this actually gives you your actual macronutrients and yep. then you put in what you're eating and it tells you if you're hitting it or if you're not. Um, it just kind of takes out the guesswork. And you also put in the time that you're going to work out and then Which, it helps yes. you with the timing of mm-hmm. what you eat throughout that day. You tell it what time you go to bed, what time you get up, mm. what time your workout is, um, how long it lasts, how active you would actually say it is. And for surprisingly enough, for CrossFit, you say it's a light active. You, you Interesting. don't make it um, hard. And then, um, and then it sets up like when you should eat and how many times per day and and how much of each of like the carbs, protein, and mm-hmm. fat of each of those meals. Okay. Um, are, so, you, are you sticking to that or are you adding in like, I don't know what this is calling out because it doesn't sound like it's like a certain type of diet like paleo or keto or whatnot, but right. are you like cheating some too, whatever that might be? Yeah. So like this past weekend when I was gone, when I was in Florida, I didn't stick to it. I knew kind of what I was supposed to be doing and when. And so I tried to kind of stick clean, but I didn't stick around because I wasn't working out then either. 
So I knew it was going to change anyway. People that would be like really hardcore, let's say you're getting ready for a competition or something like that, they would stick to it very religiously. Mm -hmm. Um, So I give myself, I don't give myself cheat days when I'm at home Mm -hmm. because on Sunday it just knows I don't work out. And so it will give me a different um, set of macronutrients that day. And then um, the days that I'm working out, I try to stick to it pretty good. I just feel really good on it. Mm. I feel better. I told Patrick, I said, just with my genetics and where I came from, one thing that was really hard for my family was I'm a hard gainer. Either I'm a hard gainer with muscle and a hard gainer with fat. Mm. Um, so that's my body type. We, I have to work for every muscle that I grow. And you know, my family has not really had the issue with weight, but we've had the issue of actually absorbing nutrients. And so I was with my sisters and I'm sure they'll probably listen to this and laugh because I couldn't believe how little they ate. I was eating all the time, but mm. I was able through this um, template, able to actually restart my metabolism. And it feels good to eat. And that used to not be the case. Yeah, eating's so, fun. It is fun. Yeah. If you're doing it on your own terms. Yeah. I don't like to eat breakfast. I don't like to eat lunch. I don't like to eat when I'm supposed to be working, like those types of things. But when it's time when to eat, eat, eating's fun. I eat in the <laughs> evening. <laughs> so do you do the, um, is it keto then? That you I do? am doing carnivore. Or IT, I guess, intermittent. Oh, uh, oh yeah. you are doing yeah. carnivore. Yeah, I guess I'm doing two things. I'm doing intermittent fasting, which honestly... Um, I'm not doing so much. I, I, I got into intermittent fasting. Basically I backed into it. Basically. Uh, I just didn't feel great when I was eating typical types, types of breakfast. I just felt like my body didn't need that. Um, and then, so I just, I just quit that. And then I would, um, have something for lunch. Um, and then I was basically just eating like a couple of like healthy granola bars Mm -hmm. for lunch until really at the beginning of this year. And I quit that too. And so I don't eat until five or six o'clock, like anything. Now you work out at 11, yeah, work out 1130 on a fast. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I feel great. Um, so I only started doing this protein shake after working out, like I said, a month and a half ago or so. And so I'm sure that helps. Cause like right now I have 50 grams of protein in me from, mm-hmm. you know, noon or 1130. Um, and I guess that's about it. So it's not food, but there's still something in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that helps. It gives your body but, something to work on. Yeah, and, it yeah. does. But I think the big thing is uh carnivore. I feel really good on carnivore and you can eat your face off. You can mm-hmm. eat as much as you want. And so I do. And so every any night. Any kind of meat? Any or, kind of meat. Okay. I mean, I don't, all I'm eating really is ground beef and steaks. Okay. That's, so red meat. That's mostly all I'm, red I'm meat. eating okay. red meat. Yeah. I mean, if Mariana makes fish, which she does occasionally for the kids, then I'll, I'll have some bites of that mm-hmm. if there's extra. I mean, I, I love fish, but I'm making my own food because she's not making ground beef or steaks for the kids every mm-hmm. night. So I make my own dinner, which I kind of enjoy that process too. I like, I've actually kind of really, I've actually really in, in, uh, like grown to enjoy that. And that's different too. Um, but uh, when you eat meat, there's no carbs. And, you know, I think a lot of people would say you don't, shouldn't work out on an empty stomach or that's not like the optimal. But I think something about having that much meat or just protein in your system and no carbs at all, your body sort of fires differently and burns differently is my understanding. And um, you don't have the energy spikes. This was the biggest thing. This is by far the biggest thing I noticed with both the meat diet, 
Well, no, just the meat diet. I was going to say intermittent fasting, but this wouldn't be the case. If I had a lunch today of, let's just say, ground beef, which, you know, I don't eat lunch, but if I were to eat some lunch today and I had local ground beef, or if I had ground beef with some potatoes or some potato salad or some bread or Mm -hmm. something like that, or God forbid, like some pizza. Like if I had pizza for lunch, about two hours later, I am dogging. I'm tired. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm going to be around here. I'm going to need to go outside and get some fresh air or get another coffee or like wake yourself up. Like I just, you just feel like you need a nap. At least I do on carbs, but. It's that blood sugar drop. That's that spike and that drop off. Exactly. But with carnivore, I don't have energy drops. It's just a very consistent and it's there when I need it. Like at 1130 CrossFit, I'm working out on empty stomach. All I have until then is one espresso first thing in the morning around seven or eight o'clock and, uh, and a glass of kombucha. And that's all I have. And um, you're giving yourself some enzymes and some good digestive gut probiotics or prebiotics or whatever's in that kombucha. Yeah, that probably helps. <clears throat> but the energy is there at 1130 when I work out. It's there. So I That's really amazing. feel good on it. Do you follow Michaela Peterson? You know, she's no, a carnivore Jordan diet. Jordan Peterson's yes, I didn't know she was she carnivore. She actually has cured herself from an autoimmune disorder or I guess cured herself is kind of in quotes because you're not supposed to be able to cure yourself, right? But wow. she's, um, it's, in, it's um, not, what is the term they use for an autoimmune that is not active? Oh, Inactive or dormant, yeah. Um, And she, it's red meat. And she Mm -hmm. tries to add different meats, like other kinds of meat, um, and has different reactions at times, but it's basically a red meat. Um, She calls it the lion's diet, I think is what she calls it, but it's carnivore and she's a huge proponent. And she just does like butter, salt and pepper. Yep. That's it. Okay. So she's pretty hardcore. Yeah. So I'm red meat, um, eggs. Okay. Yogurt. Okay, interesting. And, and and or cottage cheese, but we don't have that around so much. Um, and then, yeah, salt and pepper, but I'll throw red hot on it. I don't care. Um, but yeah, I got into like, I'm starting to enjoy being in the kitchen and making food and things like that. And a few weeks ago, I was like, you know, I wanted to make some things other than meat. So I made some green beans and like, I put a little... I put some garlic cloves in there with butter and sauteed them. And like, I've looked up a recipe. I actually had a lot of fun making them and they turned out beautifully. And I ate him with the steak and 15 minutes in, my body's just like, ugh. Like I feel sick. Like I get like stomach cramps, kind of. Which, you know, I feel like if there's anything that has come out with all of these diets that we've we've been introduced to over the last, whatever, 20 years, or it's that one is we are learning to listen to our bodies. Mm -hmm. We're much more in tune to our bodies and that what we're eating is affecting what we're feeling, right? Yes. I feel like that has happened. And I think we're also more aware that these diets aren't for everybody across the board. That's right. So like for you, for Michaela, for some for some body types, this carnivore diet is exactly what your body needs. Yes. Whatever's going on. Maybe it is something that if not addressed, would have caused these issues down the road. But you're able, your body's able to speak to you. You're able to listen to it, to know what's going on mm-hmm. enough to know, no, this is actually what works for me. Where then the next person might feel better on a keto or might yes. feel better on something. But I feel like we're learning that. Like, I agree with that 100%. What you eat just affects how you feel. I mean, there's no way around that. I, I, Started carnivore April the 7th of this year and thought I would do it for, what was my goal? Three months. Were you doing it with a friend or just, you just got curious? I just, no, I got, 
I came to the end of myself. It, it so was, you were feeling not well. I was feeling like crap. Okay. And it was a Saturday around noon. Mariana had made some chicken sausage with quinoa with some other stuff. I mean, this was... Sounds super healthy. It was healthy. Yeah. And I ate it and I just... My stomach was cramping kind of. And I, I don't get like gas. I don't get the craps. I don't... It's not like any of that. It's just... It just feels heavy. I feel bloated. Mm -hmm. I feel like someone pumps a whole bunch of air into my mm -hmm. stomach and it feels like crampy and I just don't feel good. And I was, I was over it. I was like, this is, this is not, I, I this can't, I'm, this can't be how I always it's have to feel to on food. To it's supposed to be yeah. fun to eat. It's supposed to feel yeah. good. So I was like, I'm going to do carnivore again. Cause I had done it for one week in 2018 and felt good on it. But my concern was doing it for too long. Like back then I was concerned about like, well, should I do it much more than a week? Is it going to have negative health effects? Those mm -hmm. types of things. Because everywhere you see, it's like, don't eat red meat. Like eat your salads, eat your greens, like none of this stuff. Yeah, but it used to so, be like, don't eat fats too. Again, yeah, like true. we're yeah, learning it's, it's these pretty, things. Yeah, it's yeah. But yeah, it's you're right. Weird. It's like, don't eat the red meat. Yeah. Let's do, so, yeah. So I just, so the carnivore is you basically just eat mm -hmm. red meat. <laughs> <laughs> I did it through July and um, and did it pretty cleanly and I got rid of some gut and I'm sure going across it five days a week over that time helped too. But the carnivore definitely helped with the gut. It's one of the things that tends to help a lot of people that go mm -hmm. on it. Um, you kind of get that carb fat goes away. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I was just feeling really good on it. And I cheat. Like I mean, I, I'm cheating too much right now. Like I'm cheating, you know, by cheating, I guess. Here's how I would put it. I'm eating carnivore probably 85 to 90% of the mm -hmm. time. And that last 10 to 15% is a problem, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. like three chocolate chip cookies instead of one, like that type of thing. Um, but your body probably tells you, reminds yeah, you, and yeah. then you're like, uh, yep, that's why. Yeah. So um, I got blood work done in August, I think it was August or yeah, August. And um, I am the healthiest that I've been in four years. So how, like, spell that out. Like, so how that did means, it look? How did it look differently? Yep. So my cholesterol is okay. lower than it's been for the last three blood works over so the last four lipids. years. Okay. Yep. And my cholesterol was higher, but it was higher with, um, with HDL, which is the good mm -hmm. cholesterol and LDL is the bad. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not quite that clean, but that's more or less the long, the story there. Um, and uh, so not only did my cholesterol drop on the meat diet, my HDL actually increased. And my understanding is the only way you can increase your HDL is, is uh, exercise. If you want more HDL in your cholesterol, you can't get that from any kind of food. There's no kind of food you can use to increase your HDL. Interesting. What you do to increase your HDL is exercise. And HDL is like train cars carrying LDL, the bad fat, through your bloodstream. And so if people have high cholesterol, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, although it could be. Right. But if it's high because your HDL is high, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I think in terms of a lot, like with when people's cholesterol is high, it, the first thing everyone thinks is diet, 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 mm -hmm. which is not bad. Diet has a lot to do with cholesterol. So go ahead and clean up your diet. That's totally fine. But if you're not going to increase your exercise also, you're not increasing your HDL, which mm -hmm. is the train cars to remove the LDL. That and you so need. you're wasting some opportunity at the very least. So fascinating. So my cholesterol is the better, best that's it's ever been. And then I was on some supplements for uh, zinc, uh, for vitamin A, vitamin B, and that's vitamin D. 
and all of those levels. I'm perfect. That's crazy. So basically, it's those key those key um, vitamins and minerals that, for some reason, before you weren't your body wasn't able to take from your foods that you had to supplement, and now you feel like your body has been able to take it from your foods or from food and do with it whatever it is supposed to do. That is correct. And it's probably two things there. One is a lot like basically red meat has everything you need. I know that's a little bit of an overstatement, but whereas you can't, some would argue with me, but very few people can just eat greens and be healthy. Very, very few, basically none because B12 doesn't even come from any kind of green. So if you're going to just eat greens, that's fine. You better be complimenting with B12. You you can't get that from greens. So basically, um, where am I going with this point? Because I wasn't knocking vegetarians or vegans. Uh, Oh, it's the point that I think there's two things that that helped me. One is by eating so much red meat, I got so so many more, so much more nutrients. But then two, and I think this was the more important thing, is when I cut out carbs, potatoes, bread, pasta, like those types of things, those are um, can be really inflammatory in my yeah. body. And so I might have, if, if right now I eat the same amount of meat that I'm eating and add those other things back in, I am going to have a drop in my health. I know it because my body's going to react and shut down in certain ways and inflame in certain ways based on this other food that's coming in. And if you can just eat the meat and not all this other food, then your body reacts. But You've taken away the distractions for your body. Yes, exactly. But I really like your point. Um, which is that diets are different for different body types. And that should not be a surprise to us. I mean, I totally agree. It's it's like if, you know, um, if uh, we, you know, put peanut butter in a syringe and told everyone, like, you got to take a, a, a syringe full of peanut butter. Well, some people are going to die from that. And right. other people are going to get sick. And some people aren't going to feel well. And then a whole bunch of people are going to love it. Right. You know what I mean? They're going to be like having uh, the best day of their life. Exactly. So <laughs> I think, you know, that's an exaggeration. But yeah. diets can be somewhat the same. Like, there's, there's the carnivore probably isn't for everyone. Although for, for, I will say, if you've tried a few diets and you haven't tried carnivore, I think if you're male or female... Um, and you're still working with some issues, particularly autoimmune-related yeah. or thyroid-related, strongly consider the carnivore diet. Yeah, it is. I think I, I love the scientific part of it. Like I freak out and geek out at all. Of the, and I think it's only we're just scratching the surface as to understanding why that might be. Because yeah. I, I, I love to try to stay balanced. Like I'm one of, I'm a curious person. So I like to bring in all the different thoughts, right? Yep. So I follow Michaela and love it. But then I also follow Tabitha Brown, who's been mm. a vegan for three years and adore her. And if there's anybody that could convince me to be vegan, it'd be her. Mm. But she also healed herself from a disease. And it's like fascinating. It's like, yep. okay, so what was about her body yes. that felt completely different and better mm-hmm. and she's living her best life mm-hmm. on vegan when you on the other hand like needed the carnivore diet yep. it's just so fascinating to me and excites me because i think as we learn more about different bodies different genetics different you know i mean our microbiome all of that as mm-hmm. we learn more about that and learn that we're all individual we'll be able to understand why it is that these different diets are better for this person and then this person. Yes, I totally agree. And I got a genetics test this year also. Okay, interesting. And that was another... Um, that was another kind of propulsion point into the carnivore diet because two two things popped up on that that was evident. 
but want to have the MTHFR deficiency. So Same. there's, do you really? Yeah, I do. So Jamie has this, this, uh, like pink cream that you put on twice a day. If you don't do that, it might be something you'd want to consider. Yeah. So tell me more like pink cream. What, what's the um, purpose what for is or? it called? It's basically, it has a bunch of vitamins in it. So I, basically I, put it on your skin so your skin can absorb topical. it quickly. Okay. Yeah. To- anywhere on your skin topically. I just, I put it, I, I squirt it on my, on uh, like my sternum area and then I just use my wrists and I rub it on my belly. Yeah. Um, in the morning and in the evening. And that is, if you have at least a certain type of MTHFR deficiency, um, that is something that you want to be doing. Yeah. And because I, I think, I think with that situation, there's some things going on there that comp can't completely be complemented from diet, I think. Yeah. MTHFR, um, I, I always feel like if I even try to talk about it, I butcher it, but basically... Yeah there's kind of two things that go on. And again, there's lots of different kind of kinds of MTHFR or different degrees maybe, or, Mm -hmm. um, but basically it's your body can't absorb key nutrients for whatever reason. And your body also typically doesn't detox on its own, like some bodies would. So like, for instance, exactly, if I have MTHFR, which Again, maybe the, some of the reason why, you know, something like vaccinations react differently in different bodies. Yep. If somebody has a vaccination, does not have the MTHFR gene mutation, their body may be able to just detox out those heavy metals, no problem whatsoever. Not me. My body yep. hangs on to it and it causes problems. Yes. So it just pushes it deeper into its cells because it does not know what to do with these problems. Yes. And so, yeah, there's like, even that, I mean... Start there. Mm-hmm. Find out if you have that gene mutation. It's an yep. easy blood test. Yep. And that will give you direction on what to take or what to eat or yes. this cream. I've never heard of the cream. I want to know more about it. Yep. I'll, yeah. I'll text you a picture of it later. Yeah. But um, yeah, that and then that was the second thing that I found out on that genetics test was that my body's not going to detox mm-hmm. like some bodies do. And so I got into sauna. I did sauna every day for the month of Love August it. and I want to get one here. It's... It's people need to be doing sauna. Yeah, I agree. You need I, to be doing sauna. I agree. Well, I, I that's where I use Candace's uh, pure okay. sweat. Are I use you a sauna. Just go in and pay as you go. Or are you a member? So or? Patrick had given me like a package for my birthday oh, that I'm cool. actually just working through. Okay. Um, but love the sauna. Okay. The sauna. I agree. It's it almost gives me this same feeling I get after a good workout. Like almost yes. this weird high. Yep. It's like. Whoa. And then if you combine that, I love to combine the sauna with the float. Like oh, I love yeah. to do both of yes. them together. So have you floated multiple times down there? I have. Oh, wow. Yeah. How many floats did Patrick get you? Um, he has gotten me, well, he got a couple like where we could both go, like oh, with, cool. where a double, like he and I go, um, obviously have our own float tank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I have one more left on my, okay. on my uh, yep. gift card, but that's a pretty crazy experience. And yeah. I know Patrick's first experience was with you here in Nashville yes. yep. a couple years ago, which I think the tanks there were completely different, right? They like, were. Yeah. Yeah. He had an open tank okay. and I had a sensory deprivation tank okay. that was like a big metal coffin and the door <laughs> popped open on the end and you crawled in there. And the only thing I could think most of the time I was in there is like, this is a scheme. <laughs> They're going to kill us, you know, because... It's a metal door. And when that door shuts, it's like, I don't know. What if something goes wrong with that door? Am I going to be able to get yeah. back out? What if there's a malfunction? So but you now, spend your whole time like thinking, um, going through? No, but a fair amount. I yeah. was a little scared. Although in that sensory deprivation tank, I felt like I was floating through space in a way that I haven't quite felt in the other tanks. Patrick had the same experience in that tank. And I don't know that he's had that in these as well. He said he felt like it. he was like hurling through space. I really did. I don't... 
So I need to talk to Patrick about it because now I'm kind of curious why that difference was. It can't be coincidence that we both felt that in those tanks and didn't feel it in some of these other tanks. Um, but I do enjoy this experience, yes. you know, better. I was in for an hour on Thursday and it got, is you know, it's about right or maybe a little bit long. I think 45 minutes okay. to an hour is good. But yeah, 30 minutes is not long enough. So I think he got me the 90 minute. I think I'm in Dang. there an hour and a half. Yeah. Ooh, are you falling asleep? Because that's long. Well, I often have this sensation of like, you know, where you get, when you are falling asleep in your bed, you get to this point where you're almost asleep and then right. you kind of yeah. jolt awake. So I have yep. some of that. I have fallen asleep as well. Yeah. Um, but not like I do. I actually fall asleep more quickly, like if I'm getting like a massage, like a deep tip okay, massage sure. or whatever. In the float tank, I do have just more of this, I don't know, this, I love it. I feel yeah. like I often come away with, like you said, you had kind of this epiphany. Like yep. I come away with either clarity or something I, yeah, clarity around something I'd been yep. thinking about earlier. Maybe it's just simply time to sit and think. Yeah. Um, but then the magnesium, I actually feel the benefit of the magnesium for a few days afterwards. Interesting. Like, I don't think that's just my head. Like, I feel relaxed. Like, the relaxation keeps going for me for yeah. a couple of days. Um, and then I feel like my workout recoveries are faster, for sure. Okay. For the next couple of days, because which would of the be float magnesium. Or the sauna, the float. Because of the magnesium. Interesting. That's a magnesium benefit. Oh, there's a big mag- magnesium benefit to being in that float tank. Yeah. Um, the what I noticed when I was doing sauna seven days a week because I bought unlimited for thirty days, so I just did it every single day. Did you do um, like the different? Like, did you use the same um, color every time? Or did I did. You, okay. Yeah, she had said okay. There's different colors and they do some different things, but it's somewhat minimal on the different effects. So okay. I just never messed with it. It was always blue light, and I just left it because mm-hmm. it was working for me. Um, and uh, and and it even helped with back pain. It, mm-hmm. And I would like lay on my stomach to let the lights hit my back and it kind of penetrate into my back muscles. But I also think there's a benefit there just from the heat and the increased circulation. It enlarges your blood vessels and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really like that. And I actually felt like it helped my performance at CrossFit. So I love the red light, by the way. For mm-hmm. some reason, it's it feels warmer or it's mm-hmm. like it's, the blue feels cool. And I use I typically use the red light. But super curious. If you did this before you ate then, like, did you work out and then do the sauna and then, or how did you replace the electrolytes? Because you were sweating out a ton those seven days a week if you worked out and did sauna. Yeah. No, I would do the 1130 class and then halfway through that point, probably I started doing protein shakes, drink a lot of water and then hit sauna on the way home. And then you would... So then I wouldn't eat until I got home. Then you would eat when you got home, which you were replacing a lot of through the food that you were eating. Um, but did you feel like really weak before you ate? Like, did you feel anything different during mm. those days of sauna before you ate? No, no. Interesting. I felt, um, I mean, a lot of times, you know, if I'm getting home at five or six, I'm going to be hungry. But like right now, I'm I'm not hungry, to be honest with you. I'm not hungry at all, actually. I'm ravenous. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's because your body's all in this carbs. Like, it's time to eat, time to eat, time to eat. It's probably true. <laughs> no, being hungry is great. It feels good to be hungry. It does feel good to be hungry. It feels You're good right. to be hungry. Yeah. I'm also not that hungry because I cheated last night in my body. I just didn't feel, you know, like I can tell it's like a little off. But You feel like you need a reset or like you... It, yeah, it, well, yeah. I, I feel like I need to eat clean you well, know and I for felt this like week, that so. with my boys when they were I have two the, both the boys um and I actually three of us walked a pretty intense lime journey mm. and so it didn't take long for Ben once we started tightening up our diet to actually like want to eat well so like if yeah. he did cheat it was it was a remotivation for him 
to actually get back and feel better because once you're so in touch with your body, exactly. like last night, if you did have that cheat, you know, it's like, okay, well, that was fun and whatever, you know, no shame in that. But actually, I can't wait now to have that good steak tomorrow yes. night. And it keeps you from cheating too often, I think, yes. if you really start listening to your body like that. I totally yeah. agree because you start to experience the benefits of a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And this yeah. is Patrick and I had this conversation at some point this summer, which is that we're both feeling gains. And actually, there was a neighbor that I was having this conversation too. We were all kind of in the same place, which is that we're all feeling gains. We're all feeling good. We're all the most fit that we've been in some time. And this is usually about the time we fall off the wagon. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I can't do that. I know what that feels like. Yeah. Why? Like yeah. I'm making good gains. Yeah. Um, and so all I need to do is keep going. Just don't quit on this. You know, don't fall off the wagon. And then if you keep going, guess what? You get to feel good. Mm-hmm. You get to look good. Like all of those things, you get to have better endurance, better energy, a clearer mind. I mean, this is not rocket science. This right. is not some kind of confused like thing where it's like you got to go through this tunnel just right. And if you yeah. go through this tunnel just right, you get there. No, this yeah. is like eat clean, drink a ton of water, rest well, and exercise. It just takes a ton of intention but, and yeah, consistency. It's it's hard yeah. to do. And if Mariana starts going, it'll be yeah, even it'll be easier. Fun. I think go. we're going to try to yeah. go to the same class, which will be, be so a lot of fun. fun. Um, back to the app thing. So it cares more about... Like, does it give you direction on your diet, what you eat, or is it more telling you, you tell it what you want to eat and it tells you how much and when? It tells you how much and when. That's the biggest part of it. It strongly encourages you to eat clean food because when I try to type in some foods, it's not even there. Oh, okay. So like then it's a guessing game. So it's lean, clean foods are going to be in the app. Now it does have one of those um, barcode scanners, so... If I put something like if I hold up a barcode, if I it'll and scan it, it typically is in there. I especially see. if it's from, you know, like Whole Foods or Publix or a store yep. that's probably shopped at regularly. Yep. Um, but like I can't even put find I can't even really find most cheeses, for instance, because that would see that I as see. like probably something that should be eaten very moderately, like I not see. very often. <laughs> I'm so it's like, laughing. it's kind of like, um, you can try, but we're not going to find it for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm only laughing because cheese is another thing I can eat on carnivore. I eat a ton of cheese. Which I, I so, I so my body loves fat and my, yes. the fastest Same. way for me to get it or like the easiest is either cheese or, and they would rather have you have like avocado sure. or coconut oil or, because it's actually what I'm on right now is a very little bit of fat, but okay. Um, so actually, interestingly enough, the biggest amount of fat for me is at night. Okay. So they do want you to have casein at night before you go to bed. So casein. What's that? So it's a instead of the whey protein, it's casein. Oh, so it's a I different see. Kind of okay. Protein. Gotcha. Um, it's I think it's a slower release, maybe okay. even, and so and then a nice amount of fat with that. Hmm. And I typically do coconut milk. Like okay. Clean coconut sure. Milk. Yep. But my brain feels better if I have fat. Like, yes. I, I create, if I go, like, I tried to do Whole 30 a couple mm. years ago and I was a monster. Really? Those first couple of weeks, the first two weeks, because they pretty much cut all fat out until I just, and, or I didn't know, like, all cheese. I was like, how do I get my fat? Yeah. And I remember the one night I was just, I, like, I was beside myself. I felt like I was going to lose my mind. I literally felt like my brain was not functioning. Like, I could not think. And I just did this roasted apples with cinnamon and just poured coconut milk over it. And I, I 
think I ate like a whole whatever those small like eight by eight pans were. I yep. just I was like my body finally has something like if and then I felt clear. Yes. So I think fat is really good and my body needs it. And so yes. cheese is something. Oh my I, yeah, I could eat a block of cheese. Well, it's oh me too. Well, it's it's it's. So whole food, whole 30, are you sure you just weren't like detoxing from not having sugar? I probably was those first two weeks. So it was like the lack of sugar and not get, you can have fat. It just wasn't the fats that like, you can't have cheese, for instance, you couldn't have dairy. So for me, it was like, oh, I can't have that. Well, then I'm just not going to even try to figure out, you know what, until I realize I need to find fats other ways. Like I have to find it Um, because cheese is, I don't go for milk. I don't. Crave milk at Me all. Me neither. I don't but like cottage milk. cheese I love, mm-hmm. um, yogurts I love, and cheese. Yeah. Um, but this app is does there's very little cheese that it let it will find for me. Interesting. Swiss cheese it does let me have. Okay. Um so are you feeling like where are you at now? Like are you feeling quite a bit better, but you have, you know, you want to go so much, so much further, or are you feeling really great right now? Like, where are you at now? My, like kind of with, with health and okay. fitness. Well, for fitness, I feel like the stronger I get, the more I'm curious what I'm capable of. Oh, okay. So I'm definitely at that point. It's like, ah, oh, I never saw myself as an athlete. I never thought I could do this. It was always my super strong cousins that mm-hmm. were like the best at volleyball or the best at all these sports. And I never, just never thought I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm curious, I'm like, what could a strong version of MJ look like? What could she do? Mm-hmm. So I have goals there for fitness. Definitely still want to grow stronger. And I've changed. I was like Mariana when I started CrossFit and that was like, I don't want to be bulky. And now I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) I just want to be strong. Like I just want to be strong. Um, And then health wise, I feel fantastic. I definitely Mm. feel better today than I ever have in my, my 30 year old self would be very jealous of what my 40 year old self feels like for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's really cool. I know. Right. We're kind of conditioned to believe that you hit 40. You've got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> a lot to look forward to, Andrew. Um, because yeah, we're conditioned to believe that like you hit thirty or you hit forty, and that's the best you're ever going to feel, right? Or maybe not even forty. And yep. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think my forties and fifties are going to be my favorite decades. Yeah, that's great. Um, you're forty or forty one. I'm forty one. Forty one. Okay. Yeah, I turned forty one in June. Okay. So I feel amazing. I, there's definitely things that I feel like I can still tighten up, and mm-hmm. you know, want to again. It's like the more. I learn and know the more I realize I don't know much. Yeah. And I really want to keep learning and knowing. Yes. Um, even about my own body. Mm-hmm. You know, like my thyroid had been pretty wonky. And so it feels healthy, but I want to get it, like I really want to make it the best it can be. Yes. Um, and I have more time now. Like the kids are older and I can do that. And so yeah. that's what I'm having fun. So yeah, I feel fantastic. I think I often compared to what I did. I feel com- fantastic compared to what I did. Yep. And I just believe that there's probably even a better version of myself sure. that I can come in contact with. If yeah. I keep doing I these mean, things ha- consistently. You're having fun. Like there's yeah. no point in stopping now. Exactly. Right? I mean, no. that's how it works. Right. Find um, something that you really, that doesn't feel like, I mean, of course there's times I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like going to the gym. But I also have gone long enough that I know that if I go and I show up, that I'm going to, Reward, I'm going to be rewarded the rest of the day. Like mm-hmm. those endorphins, you know, you have that endorphin hit. Yep. You just feel really good. And so yep. you do it consistently long enough, your body kind of starts asking for it. Yes. And then half the work's done. Exactly. But there, there is something about getting your work in for the day 
that it feels good mentally. Mm-hmm. It feels you got that checked off. But then there's also this physiological, like physically, that yeah. you needed to get out and do something. I mean, this this idea that we would be in our houses or be in our offices or sit in a car all day, this is a relatively right. new thing. I mean, when you think about like the Native Americans, the yeah. people that walk this land, if you tell those guys... Because this was their land. Like, I think I think in terms of, like, what they would do and how society worked for them, a fair bit, actually. If you tell those guys, no, go sit in your teepee all day. Yeah. Don't go war- don't go be a warrior and don't go hunting. Yeah. Sit in your teepee most of the day. Come out, take a little walk and hang out in someone else's teepee and then come back later. Those guys would have shriveled up and died. Well, they would have for sure because they, number one, wouldn't have had food. Yeah, they actually exactly. had to go out and hunt down food. Yep. And so that was their physical yep. work. I know when I was running, um, I have one cousin who's a long distance runner and we would talk a lot about running at that point. Obviously somebody I looked up to because that's all I was doing. And I remember him telling me at one point, he was like, if you can get to the point where you can run six miles without stopping, do not mm. have to run fast, just run for six miles, you could outrun almost any animal. Like you could, you could run down because animals can run really fast but they have to break, run really. So he was like, once you can get to the point where you can run for six miles, you can hunt down animals. And that's what they would have had to do, you know? Did they do that? They just jogged after an animal and it would sprint ahead and occasionally uh, you would just keep jogging and sprint ahead and you can't, you just grab by the hind leg and rip its neck. I mean, before there was arrows, what did they do? (laughs) I don't know. I just didn't picture like people just like jogging for six miles straight. Zebra falls over dead. (laughs) Like I, I'm sure they had their strategy, but yeah, he was like, after you can run for six miles, you could outrun animals. Interesting. Because huh, I never thought of that. Yeah. But the, the connection between mind and body though it is, it is unfortunate when people don't pick up on that. Like therapy has its place and when done properly, nothing else can really replace that. You know, like it's needed. Diet matters too. Mm-hmm. And so does exercise. And so does your community. You know what I mean? And so does your spiritual, like your spiritual life. It's all tied together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like having a perfect balance, like that's going to, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's basically impossible, right? I mean, but when we know we need some therapy mm-hmm. or we know, nope, I feel bad because my diet's right. crap. Or I feel bad because I never exercise. Then start there, okay. you know, like make that a priority and, and, and work on it. And I think if we sit and allow ourselves to be quiet long enough, we can go there. Like I think sometimes, I agree, there are definitely seasons for therapy and it's amazing the therapy we can find. I think sometimes we don't, we just distract ourselves and we stick band-aids on everything without actually really being embodied and listening to what our body's telling us Mm -hmm. or what our mind's telling us and that it is all, we are one unit. It's not like this disconnected, you know, it's like my head is here and my body's here and what I put in my mouth doesn't really matter because it just goes down this track and comes out. No, it's so connected Yes, and it all works together. Our gut is our second brain. Our brain, you know, tells everything what to do. And um, again, I feel like our generation and for for sure, our kids are much more aware of that. Maybe I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that gap is is um, bigger between like maybe our parents' generation and maybe for yeah. right reasons. Like it, they had a whole other set of. I mean, they were they were raised by the war babies who were true. You know, there was just it's not it's not a shame on that, but yep. I, it's just this realization that I think we are much. We have the time, yes, and the resources to be much more intentional and aware of those things and how they work together. And it's beautiful because it's we can kind of advocate for ourselves and our own health. And I think I love Jamie's episode, your Mm. episode with Jamie. Um, 
and how she talked about that is like, mm-hmm. how can you help people learn to advocate for their own health? Yes. And learn how to advocate for their own well being. And it, it takes this intentional awareness of what your body's saying and how you're feeling and how that has to do with what you're doing or not doing, yep. what you're eating and not eating, and how you're thinking or not thinking, Mm -hmm. um, and it all works together. Yeah, it totally does. And I think it's more important actually than now that people are advocates for their own health because we deal with toxins now that we didn't Mm -hmm. 50 years ago. And there's food that looks healthy, but it's not. Like those are are issues. Some of those issues didn't exist half a century ago. And now they do exist. So it's even more important now to advocate to be an advocate for your right. own health because it's really necessary. I recently heard Aubrey Marcus, the founder of On It, on a podcast. I think he's since sold that company, but um, talking about how he doesn't deal with depression, but he uh, can feel like depression in his body when he eats mm. like crap. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because that I feel the same. Yeah. Like if I eat like crap, it's going to settle in. I'm going to feel just. You know, so it's not just physical. At that point, it's, it's also not just emotional. Physical, it's You're also, feeling exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. It's emotional. It's mental. I mean, it, it really is. It's really tied together. I mean, I think the human optimization is an interesting discussion, not yeah. because we're going to try to be little gods, you know, we're just humans, but also like how much more can we do? How much more are we capable mm-hmm. of? You know, what greater good can we bring to this world because we're fully like engage and optimize. I mean, that's a, that's a big discussion to have. It is a big discussion. And I am, I am for progress. So Mm -hmm. I love progress. And I think, I mean, if we look at the Bible, at the biblical account, we can see it started in the, in a garden and ended in a city. Mm -hmm. I believe God is a God of progress. I think he's for that. But I think we are, should be, I think we were wise to recognize that with progress, there will be things that come that we have to just be aware of. Yeah. Like I, I think modern medicine is amazing. We've been able to cure things or heal things or at least keep people alive longer. But then like with antibiotics, as much as they've kept our oldest that, you know, when she was born, she would have absolutely not made it more than 12 hours if they wouldn't have had antibiotics for her right away. Oh, wow. But be aware that it just obliterates all of the bacteria, good and bad. Yeah. So, so, okay, we need that and it's amazing, but there's sacrifices that come with progress that we can be aware of and go, okay, that's amazing, but how can we how can we live with this sacrifice or what can we do to then, you know, replace that yes, bacteria exactly. in, in the, in the discussion about antibiotics or um, I mean, social media or, I mean, it was all the way back when the printing press was made. People raised hell about that. It's like, Oh my word, this is, this is horrible. Now people are going to be able to read and, and it's going to, you know, the church didn't love it because mm. they're going to have all these people have their own knowledge now and mm-hmm. we can't control them or whatever. So we're, people will, I think there is fear that comes with progress at times. And I don't think we have to be afraid of it. It is a deep conversation. I think we can, but I think we do have to be aware Mm -hmm. that there are sacrifices with progress and that's just part of it. Yeah. Did you get a new tattoo? Um, I actually got this the um, Saturday before what Patrick and I call the confession, which I don't know if Patrick was on here for that. Yeah. Yeah, So it was uh, one. Hold it up this way a second. 
It's kind of hard to turn my arm. <laughs> it's like kind of on a weird so angle. So it's a triangle. So it's a triangle. Can you face it toward the camera maybe? So uh, what do we so got there? Maybe, maybe you can't. It's just right okay, there. Okay, right here. So you got a triangle. It's and a triangle. We... And it, it within the triangle, so the, the lines aren't broken. The lines just go with the lettering. Then it says it mm. is well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's one I had drawn up. Yeah, that's very um, cool. A while ago and you, never you, got it done. You came up with that? Yeah. I just, okay. It came to, I don't even remember exactly when it came to me, but it yeah. was over some struggle I was having in my head at one point. Yeah. Um, so it stands for, well, I, lo- I just love the triangle. I love a triangle. It stands for the Trinity mm. um, as well as um, our marriage union with Christ. Oh, wow. And how that when those things are all connected, then it truly is well. Dang. Yeah. You letting other people get that tattoo as well? Oh, I haven't had anybody ask. <laughs> do, you tra- do you have a trademark on it? <laughs> I don't have a trademark on it. No. Uh, that's um, very cool. But thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. Patrick did talk about the confession on here when he was on, I think the second time or the first time. I can't remember. Okay. No, the first time. Um, you, you had mentioned some interest in or reading up on or learning about polarities between masculine and feminine. Is it masculinity and femininity or masculine yes, energy yeah. and feminine Same. energy? Masculine essence, feminine essence, okay. all of the all of the above. Yeah. All right. So what is it about that that's interesting to you? What are you learning in that area? And it's oh it feels like so much to learn and like I know so little. So apologies to anybody who is an expert in this and um yeah. Comment below if there's comments on if there's <laughs> things that I say that are not. This is not medical advice. Yes. Um, so it has a lot less to do with gender because I believe every everybody, man and woman, has both masculine and feminine essence, energy flowing through them. I believe God is both masculine and feminine. I believe that's why marriage is so powerful and why it's such a powerful picture of God because of that. Um, And so it's not as much about gender. Although statistically, they say somewhere in the 90 to 95% of males will probably have a higher amount of masculine energy, masculinity, and then females will have the higher. But we can tap into the other, and it's probably healthy to actually tap into both of them in times. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and so masculine being more that grounded, um, strong, erect um, sort of presence, and the woman more soft, open, chaotic kind of, um, you think of like the chaos and order polarity. Mm-hmm. So feminine bringing more of that chaotic um, essence, and then the masculine bringing more of that like order and... Um, and how that plays out mm-hmm. and how important it is to have that polarity in a relationship, especially mm. in a marriage relationship. Um, but also then to be aware of it in yourself as well and mm-hmm. to know how to tap in and when it's out of balance or yeah. um, when it's needed or when it's, you know, and I grew up in a culture where um, I saw much more, even in women, I saw much more of the masculine essence Growing up, you know that strong German workhorse. You pull up your bootstraps and you just in the get women things too. Done. Yes. That's interesting. Um, so it's been a very fascinating, kind of uncomfortable, disorienting journey for me to kind of figure out and find what the feminine essence looks like in me, um, because it's it's vulnerable and it's open and it's you know it's it's this openness to well, I mean, you can see it 
obviously sexually, it's very obvious, mm-hmm. you know, so masculine is meant to penetrate, feminine is meant to be penetrated. So it's that openness and just kind of open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and not having this certitude, knowing exactly, you know, what I'm about and doing at all times and just being okay with like, yeah, well, today I feel like taking a nap. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously, like I said, it's very important at times to to be in my masculine and go, no, there's times to get things done. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just in how I engage in my day. It's also in just my presence in the world. And um, so, yeah, it's been fascinating. Patrick and I have been both actually on that journey and learning more mm. about that and have a lot to learn about it. It's not well, a, something I have definitely mastered at all. Or Yeah. Yeah. Where are you getting information on that? Oh, wow. There's a lot of information and you can definitely find every flavor. I mean, you can find, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. And then you can find, we loved, there's um, David Dida is really great author um, who talks about the masculine part of Mm. it. And it's been his book, The Way of the Superior Man. Is that the book you guys are reading or are you just kind of following the author? Well, the author's great um, to follow, but that book in particular was one that we listened to on audio together. What's it um, called again? The Way of the Superior Man. Okay. Super helpful for me even to just understand um, the masculine and the masculine energy and the way that the masculine views the world and um, the desires of the masculine and... Uh, and then there's a, oh, I'm not going to remember her name. I just bought her book. But there's a woman who learned a lot from him and actually started writing books kind of on the opposite, like for the feminine. And she okay. wrote a book called um, Powerful and Feminine that mm-hmm. I'm actually reading right now and really enjoying as well. Um, so there's, I mean, again, you can find, it's kind of a trend, I guess, right now, depending okay. on where you're looking yep. and learning. But so there's a lot that you can learn. I also love, there's a few Christian women that I follow on Instagram who are standing up and being the voice for the feminine, like not being afraid of your feminine sensuality. Because mm-hmm. that's something, again, the culture that we grew up in, um, which I love. Mm-hmm. I, I, as I'm growing, as I'm getting older, I actually feel... I'm falling more in love with what raised me. Um, but part of that, part of the way that I can do that is because I'm also being, I'm also able to look at things that don't serve me well anymore. Like mm-hmm. I can almost love it right. more because I can look at it and go, this is what was amazing and this doesn't serve me well anymore. Right. And one of those things I think was the fear around the feminine and what she was about and we were taught that it was, you know, her sensuality was dangerous and it was powerful. And you're right, it is dangerous and it's powerful, but it's not something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. So as as girls in that culture, you grew up kind of fearing that about yourself. It's like you were taught that that it was up to you to keep men from falling in a way. And then you grow up and you go through puberty and you're like, wait, but am I the one? Like, yeah. is it me? You know, like... I'm, my body's changing. Am I actually one of the ones that could cause that? And mm. so it's like you don't even learn how to lean into that part of you that could be a gift to the world and you just have hidden it. So that's kind of the journey that we're walking on in that. It's like how to invite that or awaken that in our relationship um, 
and also help our children like have a proper view of that and not be afraid of it in either one of them. Like for the boys, not to be afraid to be strong and know what they're about and lean into that. And for the girls, not to be afraid to be, you know, open, open to love mm-hmm. and not to be guarded and self-protected and, and afraid of their own femininity. Yeah. Can I give you an example on the fear? Sure. From, fem- from the feminine side, because you mentioned your background, which is very similar to my background. And there was a very respectable man in that same background, not a family member or related to me in any way, but that legitimately, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to preface this too much, but this is, this is serious. Like he was serious and this is not a joke or whatever, but he made the observation that divorce rates are higher in churches that were not part of our organization because, or, or part of our upbringing, culture, tradition, that type of thing. Because in like those churches, you have women worshiping on a Sunday morning with their hair down. And in our churches, the way we do it, like the women had their hair up, they had a bonnet on their head and everything. And furthermore, they were in a dress. But just that idea of like their hair is up and it's covered with a bonnet or head bailing of some kind, that is why that can contribute to families staying together, marriages staying together better, because you don't have this, I guess, attraction from women worshiping on a Sunday morning in church with their hair down. Has he, again, has he changed his, we're talking about, you know, everyone having the right right. to changing his opinion. If I talk to him, if I called him right now, I still know him. I still respect him in a lot of things. Um, He's just very wrong on that point. And it's sort of sad because it speaks to the danger that you're talking about. You know, young women, you know, put your hair up, put a head veiling on it. And I understand there's, there's, they would get a biblical... That was their interpretation of a certain... Explanation from the Bible. So so they're not doing it necessarily for for those reasons. But you're right. There's a lot of people, our culture even aside, there's a lot of people that are in other... Lots of religions, actually, when you think about it, that are very fearful of feminine energy. And I guess the power that that's... That contribution to the world, you want to sort of cloak that, keep that at bay because it can be dangerous. Yeah. There's a book um, also called Pure by Linda K. Klein, and she grew up in um, the the purity culture, uh, fundamental evangelical Christian uh, culture, and she takes a part, um, and I haven't read the whole book yet, but I'm, I'm reading through it right now and love it as well, um, takes a part how some of it may have, again, like... When I critique something, it's not to burn the whole thing down. Right. <laughs> it's more to take, you know, the wheat from the shaft. Let's separate the wheat from the shaft. So yep. I'm not saying that it didn't do any good, but she's just pointing out some of the inconsistencies and some of the damage it may have done. And one of it, she uses a story um, where, you know, if you were a little girl growing up in a medieval town, living in a castle, and you were taught that there was a dragon out there that would destroy the men of the castle. Um, and you wake up at about 12 or 13 one morning and you start to see scales growing on your skin and you start to realize, again, going through puberty, that you may be the dragon mm. and what to do with that and oh, how to dang. do, yeah, and how do you walk through that? And I read that for the first time and I literally just had tears yeah. running down my face because it was like, yeah, 
I, I understand that feeling. It's like, I don't know what to do with what's happening to me as a woman, as a little girl, because this is, I know that what's happening is what I've been taught is what men can't help themselves with. And so I better shut this thing down or at mm. least hide it as much as possible. And that is the danger in some of that. Um, instead of going, no, this is a gift to the world. And it's exactly what you were created to do. You were created to bring beauty, yeah. to bring that part, that gift to the world. It, it is very powerful. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not just ignore that and say, oh, do with it what you want. No, be aware of that, that that is something, but that it's a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you have to be ashamed of that should be called dangerous. Um, so yeah, I'm again, like just in early stages of that, but have been having a lot of fun in in learning more about that. And yeah, that's a really interesting, I wasn't aware that it was trendy. I wasn't aware this trending or whatever. Um, but I, I am, I'm fascinated by it and it's a good time to have this discussion culturally and societally too, mm-hmm. as we sort of, I feel like are just, it's the thing now to tear down all of these differences mm-hmm. and to not have a difference. And if you don't want to identify as either male or female, that's fine. You know, like we can, or just pick one if you want to change it. That's like, it's all so upheaved and confused mm-hmm. and it's all up for grabs right now. So right. it's a good time to be having that discussion. Um, and I wonder sometimes if, again, I don't feel like I have authority to even speak on a lot of this, but I wonder sometimes if some of the confusion is coming simply because of this denying of what we know so deep to be true. And so we're not even allowed to think about, you know, what's true. And it just confuses us. Like we don't, yeah. when I think of the Bible and I've been having a lot of fun too, just kind of rereading the Bible through new eyes. I don't know if you ever talk about other podcasts on your podcast. Why not? Okay. Which one are you well, thinking so about? One podcast that has been. <laughs> no, we have incredible. the Monopoly on podcast. Don't you mention that title. <laughs> one podcast I've been loving is the Bama podcast. Bama. The Bama podcast. It's How do you spell Bama? B-E-M-A. And it's okay. Marty Solomon is the host. Um, and he goes through the Bible from an Eastern perspective mm. instead of a Western perspective. Absolutely blows my mind. Like just completely new ways of looking at the Bible. Like my favorite stories right now in the Bible are the story of Cain and Abel and the story of Noah. Like mm. the stories that growing up would have just been like, they would have even either been made into flannel graph and some, you know, you would have put it in your nursery and put this little ark up or whatever and Noah with a dove and yep. an olive branch, you know, or... Cain and Abel, like, you know, well, don't be like Cain, be like Abel. And, yep. <laughs> you know, if you're like Cain, you're going to be marked for the rest of your life. Just, you know, just a very um, literal, maybe reading of the word. And then, well, sometimes you extract out of it what you want to for an agenda or whatever. But to be able to look at it and go, these stories, if they're not true on multiple dimensions, then we're probably not reading it correctly. Mm. And and I'm trying to figure remember why I was going there with the um well back to the the parts about femininity and masculinity is like we know these things to be true about ourselves. 
if we allow ourselves to sit with it, it's just we haven't been given the permission to think about them in these ways. Mm-hmm. Or, And I feel like some of these authors and these um, women that I'm following are maybe doing that for me, just giving yeah. me the permission to, to think about things in a way that I feel like I already know. I just wasn't ever given the permission to. Yeah. To stay curious about it. It the 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 one thing that's interesting to me that you touched on, which I guess I never really thought of in those concrete terms, is what does it feel like to be a young woman or to be a woman and to feel like you're starting to grow scales and you're becoming the dragon? You're becoming danger. You're becoming the enemy of good moral choice choices in some sense. And the responsibility lies primarily with you to not let men be dumb blokes, you Which know, I'm just perverted. Call bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's like, total <laughs> bullshit. It totally is. It's, and it, it's unfortunate. Again, it translates into so much of our life. It translates into our relationships, for sure, our marriage relationship. It translates into probably your sexual experience. Mm-hmm. It's like you were, you're taught that you have to deny what's so out of your control. So you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're starting to grow breasts and you're starting mm-hmm. to grow hips and you're, and these things are things you can't control, but they're not, they're dangerous and they're probably going to cause men to fall. So wow. you better watch it Yikes. and you better cover that up and you better not for sure, not like pay any attention to it. Yeah. Be scared of it or whatever. And then at the same time, you have to, you have to wait on somebody else, a man, preferably in our culture to wake up, that sensuality. Like, don't you Mm. dare Mm. even be in touch with your sexuality or your Mm -hmm. sensuality before somebody else wakes it up. Mm -hmm. It's just, Hmm. it's so, um, I just don't see it serving relationships well into marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I think certainly, I mean, there's a lot of things from that, but certainly one of the things, because I'm a guy, is it displaces the responsibility like so poorly and so incorrectly and so obviously it's shocking that we've allowed that to happen. Right. You know what I mean? To make right. this the, the lady's problem. And obviously I guess it's different in different cultures. So some people might be listening to this and be like, I don't know. I don't really know exactly what they're talking about. Like I didn't experience that. Like, you know, my mom taught me as a young man that, you know, that's how women are and this is mm-hmm. how you need to respond and everything like that. So, but then some people might be listening to this and really relate with it, but it does seem to be, while it might vary depending on the culture, it does sort of seem to be an overall issue. It does. And I grew up in a family where my mom actually was very different than a lot of moms of my friends. And she did teach us about, I feel like as well, better than a lot of of my friends' moms, I feel like, you know, what healthy sexual relationships look like and what it, and that it's not, and that like, for instance, that a woman would want sex as much as a man would. Mm -hmm. Like she was very good at teaching us what I feel like was a little ahead of her time, especially in our culture. Mm. And I still took it on from the culture. I still took that on that like you, you're dangerous. Mm -hmm. What you bring to the table is probably something that needs to be, if not covered completely, needs to at least be like really shut down and oppressed. Um, 
and yes, you're right. I'm sure that's not it's not universal. I think there are cultures that celebrate it a lot more. But it I feel like it goes hand in hand so often with religion. It's like it's the it one does, way yeah. to control um creativity and because that is like the, the chaotic feminine brings creativity it brings Ooh. because oh, that's wow that's the feminine in, in you is yeah. the is that creative like so again you have the feminine and masculine essence and it's that chaotic creativity um beauty that you bring as well mm-hmm. and if we're taught that that is something that is so dangerous it ju- i mean look around you know it's like when you have religion that wants to control and, and keep people from being creative, um, what it often does translate into the arts and into, you know, all of that becomes dangerous as well because that's the feminine part of society. Okay. That's interesting. So So, not gender. Okay. So I wasn't thinking in those terms, but it's sort of clicking now. So if we think about religions, whatever they may be, um, you know, wrong iterations on the Christian religion or false religions, what we would consider false religions. And, you know, people would disagree with us on which religions are false, maybe which aren't, which that's totally fine. But um, the putting the cloak or a wet blanket, if you will, on females can sort of be the Trojan horse for doing the same with feminism which includes creativity and free thinking and all of these other things, which if you let that run too rampantly can damage your religion. Because it, it's very hard to control. It's Dang. very Yeah. So this topic is... And the feminine needs the, needs the masculine. We need order. We mm-hmm. need order. We do need that. Like, that's why the, the blend is, the polarity is very important. But to totally nix the feminine and femininity... Right. And have only, then you've got totalitarianism. Right. Then it's all order. Then it's yeah. that marching to the, mm-hmm. you know, it's that goose step. It's yes. only that. And that's what you end up with. That's interesting. Okay. Let me ask you this. This was the one thing I wasn't clear on. And I mean, I'm always sort of just naturally like skeptical about new information and new trends and those types of things. Probably why we could talk for a long time because I'm curious and let it in and then go, oh, maybe not, maybe not. Well, I'm, I'm curious too and I let it in, but I always like to like, okay, if I was someone who disagreed with this, how would I poke holes in it? You know okay, what I mean? yeah. Super and, healthy. Yeah. And so one of the questions that I had is, let's take passion, for example, because I saw a list that had a list of masculine traits, a list of feminine traits, and passion was on the feminine side. Okay. You could use controlling as another example that was on the masculine side. Um, But let's go with passion, for example. That was on the feminine side. So why are we calling it feminine? I assume because more of a a larger percentage of females tend to have this particular trait, whatever it may be, whereby we're going to call it a feminine trait. Whereas maybe more males are controlling, right? So statistically more males are controlling. So we're going to call controlling a masculine trait. So I sort of get that. And yet also who says passion is masculine or feminine? Can't passion just be passion because I'm passionate. Does that mean I'm a little feminine? Like well, I was like, that was my pushback. Who says passion is either masculine or feminine? Can it just be passion? For sure. I think it can be just be passion, but on the discussion on feminine, masculine, if we're going to be like defining um, mm-hmm. things that are more feminine, and again, don't go gender. Um, because for instance, 
Patrick and I have recently realized one of the reasons we've had a lot of polarity in our for for forever, we've always had polarity was I lived most of my life probably majority in my masculine and he mm. lived a lot of his life in his feminine and he was very passionate. Mm. So, yes, a male can have passion. That's just them tapping into the feminine essence that they have the ability to tap into. Yeah. And it doesn't make them feminine. Right. It doesn't make them, again, like because of the culture that we're in and especially with some of the phobics that we have around some of that, you know, gender neutral stuff. It's like, oh my word, I, you know, if I, if I want to identify as a woman, then I can't have any masculine traits. Or if I'm a man, I think it goes probably a little more like if I want to be a man and I want to identify as a male, then I can't have any feminine traits. No, you have feminine traits about you. You probably live more out of your masculine energy Mm -hmm. for the majority of your life, but you absolutely... And in a healthy way, would tap into these feminine traits, yeah. like passion. And um, and honestly, Patrick was better at some of those feminine traits than I was mm-hmm. because he had tapped into that in a way. And so for mm-hmm. us, we're both kind of trying to tap into the opposite. And it's like this yeah. uncomfortable dance sometimes. Sure. It's like, you know, he's learning how to lean into his masculine energy more, and I'm learning to lean into my feminine energy more. Yeah, and interesting. Yeah. That's but fascinating. It's yeah, and and it's again. I'm probably butchering it totally, um, and I've a lot to learn on yeah. it, and I'm excited about it. Um, but it's been helpful. Yeah. So another way to think about it is femininity, which I understand you're saying it's not gender related, but also it's called feminine, which has to stem from female. You know what I mean? And it's called masculine, which has to stem from male. So I understand it's not saying males are con- controlling and women never are or whatever. It's not. It's not gender, it's... But a male but, may be more familiar with some of those traits. That's right. Or may yeah. be able to tap into them more than what exactly. a female... So another way, maybe can. a more accurate way is, and I understand this doesn't work with like all infographs, but like you have feminine here, and instead of just putting passion, another way to think about it, or maybe a more accurate way to think about it would be, tends to be more passionate more of the time. Right. Right? And yeah. then... It doesn't mean, you know, or maybe able to tap into but. passion um, to get things done in a sure. way that a male would use control to get things done. Right. Yes. Or structure to get things yep. done or order to get things done. And a woman uses her passion to get things done yep. and, and taps into that to accomplish something. Yep. A male may tap into structure and order. Yes. To accomplish something. Makes sense. I, I heard something a few years ago that kind of stuck with me, which is if you can kind of consider a center point and then sort of a line going out each side, and let's just say to the right you have fem, feminine, feminine traits, and to the left you have masculine traits. And when you think about um, me, for well, think about you, for example, <clears throat> where you would fall on the feminine side, you know, with your traits, if you could kind of scale it like that, like the most feminine women you've ever seen or the most masculine Mm -hmm. woman you've ever seen. Like everyone falls on that scale Mm -hmm. somewhere. And the idea was, I sort of think this came from Tim Ferriss, but it was years ago and now I kind of forget. Although the more I think about it, the more I'm pretty sure it did come from Tim Ferriss, Mm -hmm. which is the point that relationships generally work best 
when you are equidistant from the center. Yeah, I remember that. I remember so, him talking about that as well. Yeah, yeah, so a woman who is like the most feminine woman might pair best with a man who's like the most masculine man. Um, and I feel like you see this sometimes, maybe, maybe particularly in the South. Like I've seen a few couples where like the lady is so preppy and so, which I guess the more I talk, the more I'm going to like, people are going to disagree with me because as I start to describe what I think of as feminine might not actually be, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you're like, wow, how does someone like that put together and that preppy and that classy, like be with that hunter dude but mm. it sort of seems to work mm. but then if you have like so anyhow the, the point was relationships kind of work the best when you're kind of equidistant from yeah. center wherever yep. you are on the scale there's no right and wrong place on the scale but where you, wherever you happen to be um the person probably that you that you like being around in a relationship is relatively speaking the same distance from center on the other side and that would be a very fascinating kind of survey study to take because yeah, yeah i mean just thinking about it, you're right. It would seem that way. And like, for instance, going back to CrossFit, that's me super tapping into my masculine. Like that's mm-hmm. not a very feminine workout at all. Yoga would be much more sure. feminine. That makes sense. Um, much more fluid, much more, you know, you think of like moving the hips and it's yeah. just much more fluid. Um, but, but it works for me. Yeah. Like that is where I get to tap into that and I get to experience that and it works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It is rigid. It's ordered. It's structured. It's very, um, it's just very masculine. Um, Yeah. What are you learning from this masculine feminine discussion that is affecting your everyday, if anything? It's definitely affecting the way Patrick and I relate to each other, like the way that I can um, bring almost anything, like talk about or think about. Um, actually, it does affect the way that I think as well. Um, mm-hmm. I allow myself more freedom to be chaotic in my thoughts and not feel shame around that. Um, like, mm-hmm. like more, not have to have it all figured out. And it can be more curious and also more... Um, open with my desires. Like, I really feel like doing this right now. And I really feel, and again, that doesn't mean that I just let it go unbridled and I get to do everything I feel, but it lets me articulate that more. Like, this is, it's okay. Like, I'm tapping into my feminine. And it gives him the opportunity then to stand up and go, well, you know, and he doesn't use this terminology, but pretty much like as the masculine, bringing order into some of that chaos, this is what I would see serve you best. Yeah. But that was something that was terrifying for me because I had really a lot of the examples that I'd seen in the women were like women that just put their heads down and just got shit done. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and so it was like, what if I don't, like, what if I feel like doing this or this? And, and that's not like, that's not doing laundry Monday, Wednesday, Friday. (laughs) But like, and again, like it's not wrong to do that. That's great. Right. That's order. But and, and I may have to pendulum swing a little bit to come back to the to center. And I'm okay with that. But in my everyday life, it does give me the freedom to go. I just, yeah, just tap in. Like I wake up this morning and well, okay, like let yourself be the chaotic female, feminine, mm-hmm. um, not female, but feminine. Mm-hmm. Just let your let yourself be that and articulate it. And then maybe sort from there and, and see what it is that would serve you well. Yes. Um, and then in, in parenting, it's been fascinating because even in that, like I would have typically been nervous about 
parenting more out of my feminine, I would have felt like it was like, there's not enough time. I, I'd have to get it figured out. I have to do things. You know, I, I can't say, I don't know, or I can't say mm-hmm. change my mind or, um, I have to be more structured and ordered. And so in some of that, it's, it's allowing the children even to, we're just kind of chaotic together. Mm-hmm. And chaotic is not the best way to explain it because that just seems like, well, the house would be upside down in two days. It's sure. not, it's still like, I free spirited. Yeah, free spirited yep. or um, go with the flow right. or um, not as like intense and um, stressed yep. or it's how it's playing out in my life. Yep. I feel like more. Interesting. What would you say then to modesty? Because I know you still believe in modesty. So, whereas we're not saying you have to wear sandbags and everything and like cloak yourself entirely. And if you don't, you're immodest and then you're going to cause immoral thoughts or behavior. Um, So, how do you think about modesty? Well, I have tried to take apart the responsibility that we've put on women for what somebody else thinks about that. I have tried to kind of deconstruct that because I feel like that it it really, I mean, we've made it such a big issue that I feel like men kind of give themselves liberty to think what they want. If they judge somebody in dressing less than modest, whatever they feel like is modest, because we've made it such a big deal. I feel like men have kind of become weak in that area Mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, But so I've tried to kind of deconstruct from that where it's like, I'm not going to think about what I'm wearing as responsible for other people's thoughts. Okay. And and that can sound like a slippery slope. I understand that. And I'm, I'm being like, that's a vulnerable mm-hmm. thing to say. But it does allow you then to go, why is it that I'm wearing what I'm wearing? I'm not, I'm going right. to, I'm going to stop thinking about that I'm wearing it to try to protect people from me or try to keep somebody from sinning. Okay. So that, that's that. Why is it that I wear what I wear and what is it that I'm bringing or presenting? Cause what I wear is telling you a lot about mm-hmm. what I care about. And that's really what it should be about. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I should be bringing. And there may be days that somebody looks and goes, Whoa, she's really like in a place today mm-hmm. based on what she's wearing. That's fine. But I think it's time that we stop saying that what a woman wears, because again, as Linda, back to the book, pure Linda K Klein, she said, she soon realized as a teenager when we had car wash fundraiser car washes, right? It was totally okay for the guys after a half hour to be stripping off their shirts and their chests out, sprayed down, all wet. And, you know, and the women, if you thought things, what wasn't, mm-hmm. you were, that was fine. But as soon as somebody sprayed you and you had a t-shirt on and things were exposed, you felt shame and had to go change. Mm. There's a problem there. Yeah, there is a problem. There's a problem there. there. Yeah. And again, we've been conditioned to think that so that men now kind of feel like, well, I can't help myself. And so if that happens, like it's, it's, it's on her. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. No, it's not on her we have to, we have to like take that apart. So like with my girls, it's again, we're kind of fleshing this out right now. I mean, I've got Bridget's preteen, but she could be a teenager. She's almost as tall as I am. And she's going through, you know, puberty and all of those changes and Porsche's almost 18. And so we talk about it. And I think 
we are, we are probably less, we have less rules around clothing um, and just allow them to show us by what they're choosing to wear, mm-hmm. what's going on. Yep. And then go from there. Yeah. I like that. That's a really good way of looking at it because you're getting to the heart of the matter. You know, even with you focusing less on how you're going to dress based on what other people are going to think and more on why you want to wear this to begin with. Right. And if you find yourself um, or I find myself, oh, I want to wear this because I want this kind of attention. I want this sort of an interaction. I want this. And those are not healthy attentions or interactions. Well, then don't do don't. Don't dress like that for those reasons. Right. You know what I mean? Or maybe for validation. Maybe it's right. like you're putting exactly. it on. But it gives you a better picture of that than it does if you're just going like, I have to wear this yes. because of this, because I've been told this about yep. it. Yep. Um, and I don't know personally what the line is on modesty, honestly. Like, what is modest? But I definitely don't think modest is hottest. Like, I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think that term is just like it. Yeah. Again, it's like it was a way to kind of judge people because right. it was like, that's, I mean, for my. Oh, you mean modest is hottest? Like, yeah. It I was see a what way of mean. going, like, okay. Yeah, so, like, the, not looking culturally current is somehow the hottest you can dress. Right. Like, of, yeah, well, you could sense. actually use that and tagline it on anything, but it was like sure. a thing that you would say. But honestly, like, Patrick's grandma would say something is immodest very differently than I would. So again, it's not, exactly. it's very hard to define. And you can travel into different states and people are going to have different opinions on modesty. And then when you start traveling into different, different countries, religions, different cultures, yeah, different, yeah, exactly. Then it gets really, really hard to really all agree on what's modest and what's immodest. Right. So, I mean, but that's the, that's the, that's the gospel, right? I mean, that's the scripture. It yeah. always cuts to the heart of the matter. Yeah. You know, you guys had a law that it was wrong to kill people. Well, I'm telling you it's wrong to think about killing them. Right. I mean, you know how much heart work you got to do now? Yeah. You know, you guys said it was wrong to like fornicate, but I'm saying it's wrong to think about that. I mean, that really just slices to the heart of the matter. And that is why we need Christ because we can't all like... We can we can like white knuckle it a lot with our actions, but you can't white knuckle it with your heart and your mind. Yeah. Like that's where you need the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. We don't know what the hell we're up to yeah. most of the time. Like I myself don't know. And so we do need, yes, we do need Christ. We need that spirit to like be that guide for us. Yeah. And it takes a lot more grace in that way because if that is how I live and I rub shoulders with somebody who feels differently, am I going to allow, am I going to trust God in them right. and allow that he has, he is doing his work yes. no matter where they're at on the journey, no matter if they believe it's okay, back to the modesty issue, whether they believe it's okay to walk around downtown Franklin in a skimpy bikini, or if they believe that it's their calling to be completely covered up in a burqa and like, but to go, all right, God has them on a journey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust God in them. Yeah. He's speaking to me. I'm presenting and showing up the way I know best. Yes. We, and we make bad Holy Spirits. Yeah. We, we really make do. Bad Holy Spirits. 
<laughs> well, this was wonderful, MJ. Um, this could go on longer, although our man Andrew here got married Saturday a week ago, and it's 620, and <laughs> it's already he probably 6:20? wants to go. Yeah, I think it is, unless yes, that clock's is. wrong. No, right. But um, well, anything fun. else you want to touch on? No, I um, have had fun. This was actually not anything that I would have had to dread at all. So thank See? you for having me. See and what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for being on. Really appreciate yeah. your time. And we love you and Patrick. Thanks for being our friends. And um, time to catch up look again. forward to having you on again soon. Awesome. Appreciate it. <laughs>